Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is Seek Certified Brewhead. And I am Scott Beer, Cold Beer Enthusiast. Welcome to episode 56 of Beer Not the Podcast. And, mate, today we're in Detroit representing. We're here with uh, Stephen and Jason Abatch. Gentlemen, thank you for uh, joining us today. Thanks, thank you man. for having us. Yes, really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, cool city, man. We haven't been back for like we haven't five, years five years ago. Five years ago? Yeah, yeah, it's not at all different. <laughs> Just like it's five years ago. Yeah. Seems a little cooler. Seems a little, a little, yeah. little cooler. I see some minor changes in yeah. the city. But yeah. yeah. Like streetlights. Yeah. Yeah. I think they filled a couple potholes from last time. Uh, yeah. Just a couple. No, it's a cool city, man. I, I like the vibe here and uh, I feel like it's up and coming and a ton of cool stuff. Obviously, the micro, uh, the craft beer scene is booming and you guys are a big part of that. So, do you want to explain yeah. a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do? Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Batch Brewing Company started as kind of a, an idea from not being able to homebrew anymore. I was a pretty avid homebrewer and I moved from the Burbs where I had a driveway and a basement and a garage to make messes into the city into uh, a loft and couldn't really homebrew or make those messes anymore. So I uh, was going to open a really small uh, nano brewery and started doing a crowdfunding campaign and Jason, a longtime buddy, reached out in the middle of the crowdfunding campaign and was like, I'm done doing my thing. And so he was in St. Louis at the time. And uh, he reached out in the middle of the crowdfunding campaign. Do <laughs> you have anything to add? Here you go. Do you that agree was... with all such statements? <laughs> uh, yeah, so far so good. <laughs> Basically, I just reached the point in my life where my daughter was going off to college and I didn't need my job anymore. Right. And I didn't particularly like my job. So it was time for me to do something for me. And I knew I wanted to come home. I wanted to come back to Detroit. But, uh, you know, five years ago, there wasn't that many jobs to be had in Detroit. Right. So uh, basically what I did is I reached out to Steven when I seen his crowdfunding campaign and said, uh, what I, how about I give you the balance of what you need for your crowdfunding campaign and you just hire me to pour beers at your bar. Right. Just until I could figure out what I want to do. And he said, well, you know, with your background, I was in beverage packaging. And, you know, he said, if you want to do that, why don't we talk about making you a partner? And, you know, I flew home and we talked about it. We had another business partner at the time and another building. You know, and it all just, you know, seemed serendipitous at the time. And it seemed like a perfect timing. So That's I sick. basically went back to St. Louis and packed my shit and left. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. came home. Yeah. Did you, I swear I saw the crowdfunding campaign. Did you guys do like a TV show or something with someone? Did someone film no, you're, uh, it? That uh, sounds really familiar. Your smoking oh, jacket bit. Yeah, well, so <laughs> there was the crowdfunding video thing for sure. And then we got some coverage afterwards. Mashable did this um, start. Yeah, it was, it was a startup series. building a whole, series or something. A bunch of different businesses. In yeah. Detroit. Well, so, well no, that one was coverage of two businesses. One, it was us in Detroit. And then it was... Uh, my, San Francisco. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. It was um, a Malaysian, yeah, uh, restaurant, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were going to all the food festivals and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was sick. Okay, so that's yeah. what I knew you guys. All right. Yeah. yeah. They didn't tell. I, like, they told us about it. Shout out to Dave. They told us about you guys, like, a little while ago. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah. So how long ago did you guys open? Like, when was that? When was uh, the crowdfunding yeah. side? We, we officially opened our doors in uh, early in 2015. We did a bunch of events in 2014. We were in business, but soft openings and things like that in 2014. Okay. Um, but yeah, we did the crowdfunding campaign. I think it started late 2012, early 2013. We won a business incubator contest later that year, bought this building, 
in March of 2014, March of 2014. and it took a little bit less than a year to build out and get up and running. So mm-hmm. we were operating like officially open February 2015, and uh, yeah, so it's been. You know, we've been in business for about five years, but we've been open, fully fledged for like two and a half years. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And then, so then, Jason, you, you, I guess, became a partner straight away, and you just went, then looked back. Pretty much, yes. There was a there was a previous location and uh, a previous business partner, and you know, we worked on that for nine months. We worked on his building for free. I mean, we were. Was that the one from the TV then? That was the one because um, yes, that building. Well, no, no, no. Actually, the the, uh, the the video series documented us starting to build that one out. The the, the, the Mashable series no, this one. was this one. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Totally. Right. So yeah, I mean, as you walk around this place and you look at it, you look at anything in here. Like we did that. Wow. You know, us and a uh, chef Matt and you know Pat, who's our head sellerman, and one of our investors, some, yeah, one of our investors, Jeremy, and some volunteers. Like this right. was, you know, we hired a couple of you know licensed tradespeople because we sure. had two electricians Electrician and plumbers, plumbers but like right. we did all the schlepping and all the you know hard labor and all the Twice. demo yeah a couple of did you somewhere. come from a construction background or was this Not kind of like None whatsoever zero percent yeah, yeah we just had to make, i mean awesome. we made a lot like, of mistakes yeah. Yeah. I mean, a fair amount of mistakes but none of them were like detrimental detrimental yeah. i mean yeah. we spent four days with a mastic tool Grinding the tile off the floor, and then we decided to, decided to get rid of the concrete. Uh, so. the yes, it is a fucking. <laughs> uh, hey, while we're talking, you guys yes, want to drink that's a beer? Well, it's really, you give us a microphone, we're going to talk. Yeah. So we'll just, <laughs> Let's like, get this going. So, what do you want to stop? We can well, multitask. Yeah, yeah normally, normally I would wait for something hoppy at the end, but this beer is not particularly bitter. It's, you know, more aromatic and flavorful. And since these are in pitchers, let's just start with these yeah. and yeah. then we'll open the bottled stuff. Um, this beer is called Pale Wise. And yeah, it is a um, actually the base beer is a Kolsch, so it's a very clean fermentation that we dry hop the fuck out of in the you know in mid late fermentation. So it you know kept a lot of uh, protein and suspension, and it's got some of that like. A little bit of that haze that, for whatever reason, people want to see in hoppy beers. Like, it's gonna come up in it is, yeah, well, no doubt. Um, but uh, it's really clean, it's not particularly bitter. Um, and you're gonna notice this isn't like juicy, it's not fruity, it's like it's it's uh, got some tropical, mm-hmm. you know, fruit so, to it, but it also has a little bit of dankness to it. it it doesn't smell dissimilar from like, you know, a, like a kind of a West Coast or a traditional, you know, uh, uh, an American IPA, um, but it drinks not bitter. It's, it's very flavorful, very aromatic, and then it's not particularly bitter. So this is Pale Wise. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers guys. Yeah, get it in ya. Well, that's wicked. Oh, I thought we were doing shots. <laughs> 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 we do These are shot glasses, aren't we? <laughs> I do a beer vlog too. Yeah. Quick, quick photo. And we do this constantly. Yeah. Whole, <laughs> that's, that's, that's nice. You get used to it. Um, this is great. This is really juicy, actually. It's much more juicy than I anticipated. Yeah. It's, uh, it, was a, it was a fun beer. Uh, we treat the brewery a lot like a scratch kitchen where you start with concepts. And along the way, you decide you want to nudge it in a different direction, which is different than your, you know, original plan you're tasting you know the beer as it's fermenting or you taste the word and you say like wow it'd be really cool if like sometimes it's 
get on a, get on the phone with a supplier and track down some you know uh, you know some some you know f- uh, fruit concentrate or something, or you yeah. decide to go in this direction with a dry hop instead of another one. Um, that's kind of our ethos around here. Every batch of beer that we do is an opportunity to uh, experiment and evolve what we're doing. Even beers that are kind of set, recipes that are set, we're still thinking about like, how do we want to alter the water profile? Yeah, or get attached to anything. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's like you guys are constantly revolving uh, the, the rotation. Like, is it much that like, is it like a foundation? Yeah, do you have your mainstay beers, beers and then nope. your seasonal? Got like, a couple beers that, that are on rotation. Empire. Yeah, Audacity. Um, Anton's Animals. Um, you know, there's some seasonal beers, Handsome Stranger, Hibiscus Saison, that comes around right around opening day, spring, summer. Um, low End Theory, fall. our black IPAs, fall, winter. You know, some Imperial Stouts that have like kind of seasonal launch dates, Dave but likes it. we don't have black IPA. Yeah, there there are like two beers that are like typically available in the tap room because people want them, but just because we have Audacity all the time, which is like a Kolsch, doesn't mean that we're Distributing it into the marketplace here around it. Right. Like, you still get a lot of people who come in before games and stuff and say, well, normally I drink domestic beer. Yeah. Do you have anything that's lighter? So that's why we have a cold shot. That's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess people... You don't want to run them out the door just because everything you have is like a hot blast. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. We have a responsibility it's to like, make... I like the audacity. Yeah, it's a great totally. beer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, you, 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 you want to make beer that people want to drink, right? Yeah. You have a You have a responsibility to run a successful business. Mm-hmm. And as much as you want to experiment, you also need to try and make people happy. Right. Uh, the culture is our yellow fizzy beer, you know, and we <laughs> always have a hot forward beer on. And if you can do those two things well, you know, a lot of people are going to be happy. And yes, then it gives exactly. us a lot of room to run and experiment. That's a great point. Um, were you guys, we saw you guys at the festival, at least the batch booth. You guys were there yourself yesterday? We held off though, because we figured we were going to be here rather right, right. drink it with you guys yeah. from the source. So, right, right. so you guys were the biggest line. The lineups were like across the, the field. I was like, what's going on That here? was insane. So yeah. like, okay, is that... Uh, is that how it, how it goes down here? Like, you guys, would you say that? Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Lines out the door every day. Every day. Print so money. So fucking so print so money. So <laughs> By the way, it's a podcast. And we got our, okay, oh, just checking in. Everybody. Just <laughs> checking in. You're not a shit. Outstanding. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was uh, really flattering. We had a great festival. It was, uh, it was, it was great for the brand. Uh, and it was great for people. I mean, we're still brand new, man. Like, yeah. we're, we're less than three years old. People are still discovering who we are. And to be able to have a festival like that where people are excited about the beer we're making and want to come out and and, uh, and wait in line for an hour to maybe get something, like, yeah. that's really flattering. And, you know, we were hanging out with some uh, brewers and other breweries that we respect a ton. You know, Wigs from uh, Dark Horse was set up a couple couple uh, booths away from us and he kept coming over to drink our beer loved the uh, the uh, huzzah the sour beer that we had on tap and we brought a cross section right like we brought a couple of our our bourbon barrel aged beers which one of them we have over here um, and we brought a couple of sour beers and then we brought the you know slushy machine we've been doing beer slushies this summer that people don't seem to hate do you have a hit we, we uh yeah we have it here so we'll we'll wait we can we'll do the second or last word and then we'll do a little slushy and then we'll oh, yeah. send you on your way getting drunk it'll be uh, fantastic we're not drunk because we're going to drive responsibly yes. one of these is going to yes. drive it's responsible tiffany tiffany's Lovely driver tiffany. lucky <laughs> i'm never the designated <laughs> he's a designated mimosa drinker yeah he's got that cover okay that's sick so you guys like, it was a good festival it was a really good festival for us i think it'll uh i think we'll end up seeing people as a matter of fact we put a post up on Facebook earlier, like, hey, the slushy machine is back in action, you know, from the festival. People were like, thank God, I couldn't get it in line. I'll be there later. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I it's mean, as, as kitschy and weird as it is to, like, put beer into a slushy machine, like, 
it's it's you know reimagining beer that's kind of what craft beer is all about like approaching you know beer with fresh eyes and no holds barred like there are certain traditions you know and it's comes Oktoberfest time you know German beer is about as close as we have to religion around here when we do it we yeah. do it with reverence and enthusiasm and you know and sometimes you take a style like a you know a grisette which doesn't have you know finite style markers other than like you know it's it's Why? small and it's dry and it's spicy and you know and then after that you know you can experiment within within those corners and then you do something like a beer slushy where you just throw all convention out the window and have a good time but people love it and they love come it. here for it and they probably work? stay for the other brews right yeah that's it again. totally yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah. um let's move on to this guy yeah totally. what's, what's this one about so this is a beer called uh unrequited it oh. is a oh, yes yeah, okay. so different beers this was this one came first uh, this is kind of a Belgian triple-ish, you know, golden ale. You know, uh, Belgians didn't really go out of their way to classify and categorize all their beers. This is a yellow Belgian beer that's in the 9% alcohol range. So this is one that we do a couple of times a year. It came out of a partnership with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Um, we do a, we have an, uh, an initiative uh, that started here called the Feel Good Tap and it's since turned into a nonprofit. Right. Um, and this was the beer that we did with the DSO for Feel Good Tap um, during, uh, it was Brahms Fest, right? Or, mm -hmm. It was Brahms Fest. And that was, hence the name, Unrequited. He, there was a woman in his world that he, loved and they were never able to connect because she was married to a musician in his orchestra um so <laughs> we uh we made this beer you know in honor of that collaboration and it's come back into rotation so this is uh, this is unrequited jesse's girl jesse's girl oh yeah oh yeah that's great solid like yeah. True style. Getting the no. real Belgian, you can really taste the Belgian yeast. Yeah, big bananas. Yeah, yeah but there's some bananas. also some some nice, you know, phenol kind of spices, a little bit of gentle spice. Mm -hmm. There we go. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Sorry, guys. Take a picture. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have to document. Let people know. Yeah, this true. is really cool. Um, so yeah, Dave was actually just telling us before about the feel good tap thing. Yeah, so it's really really cool idea. Like philanthropy, I guess. Uh, would you say? Absolutely. It's part I've of the business model. Never duplicated. <laughs> yeah. Where did, uh, I mean, did that come from somewhere? Was that like... Stephen brought... That was brain. part of the business plan from yep. the beginning. It was yeah. when he was start, first start talking about the brewery. That was one of the first things he told me he wanted to do. Okay. Yes. Was, was it, it inspired by anything, or was it just something that was important to you? No, just, I mean, uh, I, I don't know that it was inspired by any one thing, other than like the idea that like I, we should be able to be successful and also do some good. Uh, kind of evolved into this uh, this title that we gave it, this altruistic capitalism, right? Like we can be wildly successful, we can have a successful business and create jobs and make money and you know make a name and beer and do our thing, but we could should also be able to simultaneously do good for our community. Right. Um, so it was it was very much a part of our business plan, and before we were even open, I did a um, I'm gonna mispronounce it. Uh, I did a talk at uh, Pachacacha. Do you guys know that? It's kind of like a TEDx talk, but it was created for architects, and it's a very structured like X number of slides, X number of seconds per slide, and you do a presentation and you talk about your idea, and it's four minutes long, and you talk through a thing. And I did a presentation. It was before we were open. I think it was even before we bought this building. It was when we were still working in the last building. And I talked about it at a beer bar in Ferndale called One-Eyed Betty's. 
Okay. One of the best beer selections in the metro area. It's very well managed. Food is awesome. They take, you know, beer very seriously. And I did this talk and the owner, Beth, walked up afterwards and she was like, as soon as you roll that out, I want to be the first bar non-brewery on board. So like, nice. yeah, it was very nice. clear that the idea was bigger than like, you know, raising, you know, ten or $20,000 here, but could be bigger. So uh, we turned it into a 501c3 and there are like 40 uh, breweries and beer bars and restaurants on board right now. So we'll probably raise like $125,000 or $150,000 this year and we'll work on doubling that next year. And if we do it right, we look up, you know, raising a million dollars a year. It's like an alcohol-fueled United that's, Way. That's Just, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Why not, right? How do you choose these charities? Do, do they approach you or do you kind of go out there and uh, select? Some of them submit, yeah. you know, submit to be a part of it. But, you know, at first it was just him and I choosing right. um, charities that, you know... MS Society, we do a big event for the MS Society. His mother has MS. Mm -hmm. um, Detroit has, uh, Southwest Detroit has you know, been known for gang problems and the Detroit Hispanic Coalition across the street, they take kids out of the neighborhoods and put them in camp for the summer to get them out of the neighborhood so they don't get into trouble. Right, right. So, you know, that one was one I chose. Like, we just, we researched a bunch of things we wanted to help, and we just started helping them and sending them checks, so. Yeah. yeah. How many uh, places have the Feel Good Taps? Now? Yeah, about 40. About 40, 40. right now, yeah. yeah. That's pretty solid. Yeah. And, and that was from when you opened, so in the last two and a half years, it's sort of grown to that. Yeah, it's well, actually, the last year, yeah. Uh, the first oh, yeah. year was just an in-house initiative, and then we turned it into a 501c3 at the beginning of last year. 501c3 is like a, okay. uh, no, it's uh, yeah, it's an American nonprofit uh, yeah. status. That's the kind of, you know, the category, the, the number, yeah, yeah, yeah. the code. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, sick. So that's you know, that's really, I guess, it's really built into what you guys are doing. Are you trying to do any, like, is that the main initiative? And you kind of, because there's such a like, big opportunity to expand it and expand it large and kind of fast yeah so I, I think the the idea behind the feel good tap is that philanthropy can be a daily a daily part of what you do right um it doesn't have to be just a special event you can do this daily you know philanthropy minded operation that just becomes a, like a quiet part of your business model it exists outside of too much deliberate effort and you can raise money in addition you can also do these you know one-off events that make sense to to the community we just did a collaboration with Eight Degrees Play-Doh, which is a beer bar, or a, a beer store, a bottle a bottle store that has a location in Midtown, mm -hmm. also one up in Ferndale, and um, the staff there in in Detroit. There's a little tap room inside the beer bar, or inside the bottle shop, rather. That um, I don't know. They they I don't know. Eight taps, maybe ten taps, twelve taps. And all the bartenders that work there decided to save the loose change. They, you know, divvy up the, you know, the, the paper currency and save all the coin at the end of the day. And they, over like a year and a half, saved up like a thousand bucks or 1200 bucks. And they're like, all right, what charity do we want? Charity do we want to donate this to? What initiative, what nonprofit? And uh, Christian uh, is one of the guys who works there, is the manager, came to me and was like, yeah, we got this money, I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. And was like, well, why don't we do a collaboration? And we will sell you a beer just for cost of ingredients. You guys invest that, and then we'll go out and sell it, and turn all the profits, all the revenue from that, into your contribution. So as opposed to giving, you know, a thousand bucks to a charity, we'll turn that into 12,000 bucks. And um, they decided as a group that they wanted to raise money uh, for the Michigan Women's Coalition for an initiative called Enough Said. I don't know if you've heard much about, but Detroit in all of its you know, problems had, had created these 
additional kind of, you know, stories of just absolute, I'm just going to call it malfeasance, just (laughs) fucked up situations. And one of them was um, a warehouse full of untested rape kits that were like 30 years old. Talking about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there were over 11,000 untested rape kits. And 8 Degrees Play-Doh came to us and said, this is who we want to work with. And we were, fuck it, we're on board, let's do this. And in addition to making that beer and selling it and the events they put on, uh, there were other things. There was a yoga class at the beginning and a brunch and some of this beer went into into the market and at other beer bars and stuff. And I think when it's all said and done, it'll be probably closer all in to about 15,000 bucks. And it'll test 250 or 300 rape kits out of 11,000. So, so what does that mean? Just because I'm not really too sure. Maybe yeah. people aren't. What, what is a rape kit and what does testing it mean? Sure, sure. So, you know, if uh, a woman is assaulted, God forbid, although it happens clearly every day, uh, and they go to the hospital to report it, mm-hmm. uh, they are tested. You know, samples are taken and, and information is collected. Right. That's step one of a multi-step process. Okay. After that, then that information needs to be tested and cattle catalog or cat. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it can't thank you yeah. catalog. So it can be compared against samples and identify perpetrator, right? Right. Uh, and it's a dramatic amount of work, and it's not free. Right. Um, so each test, each kit tested, costs like four hundred fifty bucks or four hundred eighty bucks. Yeah, it's, it's not cheap. So and the victim is, is and the victim can't no. have justice until they're not, this they're not expected. Right. The victim's not expected to pay it. You know, the the broader police department is supposed to test these. It's right. private. Tax revenue. But, tax revenue right. but because Detroit was on such hard times they didn't have the money to do it wow. we couldn't even keep the fucking street lights on we didn't right. have the street lights for years oh, yeah or, or fire departments or working you know you know uh, fire hydrants like yeah. it's it's uh, Detroit uh, is slowly emerging from a very very dark place right. and this is the renaissance right we're in it now yeah. I want to actually touch on that that yeah. was a good segue so we came last in 2012 and we built long before the podcast we just hit up breweries and stuff and we, I thought it was pretty cool. It's, I don't know. They had like some sort of like a spirit here, like a cool energy back then. And then now seeing everything, I feel like it's changed a I lot. I think there's been a lot of changes. Yeah, yeah just yeah. from our perspective, being here only once before and five years ago and feeling the vibe there and feeling it now. It seems yeah. just, just seeing the place come up and seeing the little coffee shops and the brunch spots and the breweries coming up. It's, I don't know, it's a, it's a, a big improvement from... From what we saw, like, can, can you guys like speak to maybe like the, the changes, say, over the last one, five to ten years, and how that's changed, and then into beer, and then where that kind of comes in, how the, and maybe does beer have a, a role in, in bringing it up, bringing people together, and bringing uh, the well, city? Traditionally, up. beer always does. That, you know, beer halls are always a great place to you know meet up with your friends and hang out. And but I mean, as far as like what Detroit went through and where it came from, I mean, Detroit's always been in the forefront of this country, like. Detroit's always been looked to as what's coming out of Detroit, what's next, the cars, the music, you know, the, yeah. the style. Every, you know, for a long time, Detroit was, you know, the hub, the happening place. There was, there's no such thing as a middle class without Detroit. Right. Automot- automakers and unions. unions. There's no such thing as a middle class in this country and because of it, other countries without Detroit creating, uh, you know, a, an environment where labor becomes a sustainable you know lifestyle you can be a laborer and you can make enough money to buy a house and send your kid to college and you know buy your own new car and maybe have a you know a little pool in the backyard that came out of detroit okay um 
Detroit struggled through some some really tough and interesting uh, political times. We're actually celebrating, celebrating, observing, being aware of a, the the 50th anniversary of the uprising and rebellion in Detroit in '67. I don't know if you guys how, how aware you are of it, but it it represents it is a milestone. 50 years ago, uh, we're really you know at at the early stages of. Um, a, a, an evolution of racial relations in the United States and how it and also, you know, uh, in other countries as well. But this was, this was uh, one of the places that uh, this, this uh, confrontation between police and oppressed, you know, black Detroiters uh, came to a head. And, and, and um, that was 50 years ago this week. Right. Yeah, yeah. So... Detroit since then has struggled in a lot of different ways, and economically is the most visible, you know, visible and obvious. So. Well, after after the uprising and after what happened, Detroit lost. I want to say like five hundred thousand people in two years. Oh wow! Like this left? They what yeah. the suburbs. The suburbs the weren't flight. even there. Well, yeah, yeah they, they call it the Great White Flight, but uh, the basically that's where the suburbs were. They that's how they. The no metro area be, right? yeah. because of that. The city. Because yeah. everybody wanted to get out of the city because nobody wanted to be around riots or you know any kind yeah, of. Right, yeah. My family didn't leave. <laughs> my family couldn't afford it. Right. You know we have my uncle had pictures of them sitting on their front porch and tanks going down their street. Oh, Jesus. And, and when was that? Like in the sixty-seven. That was that year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Detroit has been trying to emerge from this like kind of uh you know understood status of you know a, a, a rebellious place or a dark place or what have you it was a there were there were tough decades for detroit economically and it keeps trying to emerge you know there was a, well, a pop the, in the 80s and then the one in the 90s I yeah mean, detroit has been you know a playground for corrupt politicians for a very very long time yeah that are self-serving and you know I mean, we just got streetcars back because a mayor, a one-term mayor 45 years ago said, this is the Motor City, we don't need streetcars, and had them all torn out. Right. Why? Because he had a stake in some kind of company of course, that, you know, of course. paved yeah. over the tracks, probably. Right. I don't know. Right, but right. Now it's, it's getting to the point, you know, we're just in a point right now where the city council has districts. It used to be, if you're my friend and you're on city council, you figure out a way to get me on city council. You know, right. now you have districts, and for the first time, I grew up, you know, in Southwest Detroit, which is primarily Latino. We have a, a, a Latina woman who is, you know, a spokesperson for the neighborhood. Right. And you never had that before. Like she came from there. Yeah. Grew up yeah. There. I understand. Now her, interest, yeah. her interests right. are, you know, doing what she can to spur development in her, you know, neighborhood, which is my neighborhood. To help out her. Or not to just, you know, take care of the riverfront in, you know, Boston Edison. It's She's got a voice and she's, you know, saying this is not good for my area or this is good for my area. And that's important. You know, representation of people who, you know, live around you is quite good. Yeah. So you couple that, right, like with a functional, uh, you know, city government finally and with all this enthusiasm of entrepreneurs coming into the city with great ideas. And um, we're, you know, we're just lucky to be the first new brewery to open in Detroit in 10 years. Now they're brewed Detroit across the street. They have a different business model. They open literally the same day as us, but they're different. Their business model is a little bit less, you know, visible, a little bit less customer, you know, consumer focused. Right. 
Um, and we've been the new brewery in Detroit for two and a half years. And as Detroit has grown and our, you know, beer has developed, we've been become kind of synonymous with creative beer in Detroit. So uh, as we grow our business and, and people's awareness of our, our you know, beer grows, we've been able to make a, a bigger impact in the way that people think about craft beer in Detroit. Michigan is this incredible landscape of, cur- of creative craft beer, and it has been for almost 30 years, you know? And Detroit lagged behind, the city of Detroit lagged behind. There's some great breweries in Metro Detroit, Dragon Mead and Coonan, and I mean, even some of the smaller suburban Royal Oak Brewery, like there are a ton of really solid breweries in Metro Detroit, but nothing inside the city of Detroit, Atwater, um, that was like telling a new or creative story. Atwater's been around for 15, 18 years, Motor City, 20 years, but nobody newer. And so we've been the first brewery to open in Detroit in the last 10 years and um, making exciting beer. People are stoked on it. So yeah, we're- Just we're, for comparative purposes, Grand Rapids is a city of what, 65 to 70,000 people and they have 22 breweries. Right. Wow. And we're, you know, we're a city of, you know, up near a million people and there were three. Yeah. Do you see that number growing exponentially in the few next few years? Yeah, yeah. So there are a bunch of breweries that are online to open. Eastern Market Brewing Company will probably be the next brewery to open in Detroit. Black Bottom Brewing Company, which is a, a small brewery, probably will be a nano that came out of a homebrew club, will open soon. There are some other projects. George Jackson, who used to, uh, I think that's his name, who used to work on the DA, or the the, DE, the Detroit Economic Development Corporation, is working on opening kind of, it sounds like a co-packing facility where they'll make beer, but it'll also be food, and it'll also be some other things. Like, beer has become an economic driver again. Like, coming out of the economic downturn in 2008, craft beer was something grassroots and cottage and money stayed in the state and if you had a creative beer economy people were spending money and those dollars were staying inside your state that's where founders got so big and bells these were already big breweries but over the last 10 years they've i mean tripled quadrupled in size so craft beer is a cottage industry in the state of michigan and you can open a small you know neighborhood facility and produce five or six hundred barrels a year and you can make enough beer for your tap room and maybe distribute a couple of kegs and it's meaningful and it's sustainable and it's replicable and it's scalable and some of them grow into ten thousand barrel breweries and some of them are perfectly comfortable operating as a mom and pop Good food, good beer, come in and hang out, sustainable lifestyle. I can pass it down to my kids. Yeah. And that's what beer used to be like. It's what the beer's like in Europe, you know? Yeah. Small pubs, house made, just casual and fun. Right. Man. And what, what do you guys, what's the goal from uh, for Batch? Like, are you trying to do that, like 10,000 barrel? Are you happy where it is? No, so I think our goal is um, between 7,500 and 10,000 barrels, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, we've been, we started very small. What do you got now? Um, this year we'll probably produce 1300 I'll last year we pro- yeah last year we produced 650 okay so and year one we did 250 so yeah so we're growing that's and it's right it's there. it's incremental right it's right. sustainable it's not we're not we don't like come from deep up, pockets you know. I it's not like I have a million you know millionaire uncle I'm like hey Bob can I have <laughs> two million bucks you know we don't this is all money other than you know the grants like we're just reinvesting in our business nice. right so we're, we're growing pretty dramatically right now Amazing. Yeah. So, like, even like you're talking about, I guess Detroit. So, like, the, the festival yesterday was a pretty good. Sorry, I guess we should. No, no. Yeah. I was trying to do that quietly. Go, but you got to jangle a key. Yeah. And work out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, like the festival yesterday, like uh, was a pretty good indicator of the health of Michigan beer. Yeah. I mean, like our favorite festivals in London, Quebec, it's very similar to that. And this was even bigger. Um, it was just such a great day. Like the great vibes. Great and, vibes. And it was just. Like, Good local beer, yeah, and so lots of options, sure. and everyone was in a good mood, and it was spread out really well. And to see the lineup uh, in front of your tent was pretty cool. So we're excited about. Yeah, just like it seems like Michigan beer, some like some serious shit. And people are really proud of it. Like even people like Dave and other people I know on, online and stuff that we talk to, like everyone's just super fucking proud to be from Michigan and all about Michigan beer. So many people have hit us up. Like, oh, you gotta go here. You gotta try this. Because it's better than everywhere. Else. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> You know what, it's almost the same as what Jason was saying about the auto industry back in the day, like, you know, your dad worked for Ford, and you know what everybody in your family bought? Ford, right? Everybody here is from Michigan, and everybody here drinks Michigan beer. And everybody's really proud of it, and everybody is really excited about it. I'm sorry, I'm going to pour you guys first. Uh, So the last beer that we drank was the uh, Unrequited. This one is requited. So this is a year old. And this was brewed for my wedding last year. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you want some of this, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let me. Let me go, man. So this is. It was called wedding beer for. Yeah, for a while it was called wedding beer. Stephen and Diana's wedding beer. There are some out there, but yeah, requited. The opposite of unrequited. My wife and I got together. We were able to seal the deal. So this is a. a, This is about fourteen and change. Fourteen point two per ABV. Oh wow. Uh, Yeah. So this is like a grand crew, like a quad, a golden quad. Yeah. Oof. Oh yeah. What's the ABV on that bad boy? Fourteen point two. Jesus. Wow. So, the alcohol is quiet, you know, for the yeah. size of it. It's there. I mean, yeah, you, like you a, can't make a 14% alcohol beer and not taste, you know, a little bit of alcohol. Right. There's an herbaceousness to it. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it, this beer is really, um, really softened up over the last year. It's got some of those, like, really pleasantly kind of softly oxidized notes. Um, still has some some great fruit esters. You know, when this is all done, I'll pour you some of the, the this year's batch of 2017, which is on tap, and it's like this huge ester bomb, just nice. banana runs, just like yeah. big flavorful banana things. Banana runs, yeah, like that. that's, that's, that's cool. Know, that's yeah. I love those shits. Okay, um, with Michigan, uh, you guys being so proud, do you use local? Are there local ingredients to be used? Are like there hops, hop farmers? Yeah. Are, Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of the grape farms, you know, up north that you know used to make wine up near Traverse City. A lot of them. Have been converted to hop farms. Oh, oh yeah. right. There's, there's not. Why is it? Up in Empire and up by Traverse City, if you're driving, you're, you're driving by tons of hops. It's a, be, it, it's a, it's a really ideal uh, latitude and longitude for, yeah, for hop growing, especially up in like the Old Mission Peninsula, but across the state. Where, where I, are we in? Uh, so we are in, in Detroit right, right here. here. Okay. We're actually right this here. This is like <laughs> hop growing. Oh, yes, right on his arm. That's Detroit? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Hop growing oh, central. Okay, that cool. being said, actually, some of the best hops that yeah. we use come from about right here. Right in the dead sea. Yeah. Oh, nice. Top hops. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, Sean from Top Hops. Yeah, he's dude. He makes he grows great hops. He, his his processing is is world class. And right now, I think we're about seventy five or eighty percent of the hops that we grow or the hops that we use in our beer are Michigan grown. Um, awesome. And we're. Uh, you know, we've got a new facility that's coming online pretty soon, and we're going to be focusing on mixed culture fermentation and uh, wild cider. Like cool ships and stuff? Yeah, it won't be cool ships. It will be... Um, like barrels? Yeah, it'll be barrels, yeah. uh, fodder, 
Um, nice. And we'll be starting up using a lot of like stainless IDCs. You know, these are beers that don't require much in the way of temperature control at all. So we can really let them rip. And, you know, you start with a, a blend of, of uh, you know, Brett and Saccharomyces and pitching, nice. you know, a lacto blend later, you know, or even there, there are some uh, beautiful uh, yeast and bacteria strains that have been, you know, uh, cultured and identified from Michigan right. that we'll be using. But I think we're going to go all Michigan grown malt and Michigan malted malt, you know, for our sour program because it just it sounds fun. Yeah. yeah it's cool. Why not, right? Yeah, I don't know absolutely. how sustainable it is for all of our conventional beer yet. I just, I don't know that the industry has gotten there yet, Michigan grown malt, but for our sour beer, which is going to have so much variety and it's going to change all the time, we're not trying to build a particular label or awareness for anything just make great interesting mixed culture beer that we can we can afford to you know use uh local locally grown mm -hmm. and processed malted so, hot malts yeah. so you're opening a whole nother like production facility or like uh, open to the public something yeah yeah eventually so this other facility will eventually have a tasting room but it'll be a while right now it's going to serve two functions right it's going to be a place where we uh ferment, ferment all of our mixed culture stuff and all of our wild cider but it's also going to be a packaging and, and, uh, and distribution facility. Right. Um, we're swapping out all of our seven barrel tanks for 15 barrel tanks. That's hopefully going to be online uh, in September, latest October. And we have a bottle. Uh, no, so all those seven barrel tanks we'll use for cider and sour beer over there. Right. We're going to have 15 barrel tanks here. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. And, and so what we'll do is when we you know finish a beer, we'll fill one of those. These They're all mobile they're they're built on a on a like a skid so wow. we can put seven barrels worth of finished carbonated polished product in a in a tank drive it over there and bottle all of it that's crazy yeah it'll be fun is that a i've never even heard of that before is that like a new thing or yeah it's certainly kind of new <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see how sustainable it is but it, yeah, yeah we're on the way to inventing it right now yeah well i'm not gonna <laughs> lie there, 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 there are there are definitely some breweries that like will make work at a you know production facility like coonan does that over at uh brew detroit they use the hundred barrel brew house to brew hundred barrels of work and they'll truck it over to their facility and then ferment it and package it and everything over there. Is, is there a contract brew scene in Detroit? In Detroit, other than Brew Detroit, and they do contract and alternating proprietorship. Other than that, that's it. The thing that I mentioned earlier at Eastern Market that's going to come online, that'll be the second one. Um, there's definitely a demand. And a lot of it has to do with size. If somebody will open a 50 barrel... People will use it. People will use it. Yeah. Once you get into like a minimum of 200 barrels, that's a lot of fucking beer. Yeah. There's a small number of breweries in the state that can use 200 barrels of beer in a fucking right. time. That's right. a lot of beers. Yeah. So. How do you guys feel about the contract thing? Like, it's, it's a whole like shitty debate in Ontario. Like, mm. not Quebec as much, but Ontario, like, people hate it. Like, the, most people don't, the craft scene don't shit like on it. it. They, like, I'm right. just curious if you guys have an opinion. I, I think that. Um, if it fits it, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, if it fits what you're doing, then. But does it take anything away from depends craft, on who's making from being craft because you're not bricks and mortar you're not brewing in your own place like you guys no, like, built it's this your place and, like it's your so damn recipe silly. you wrote the recipe and you go and you train those people I we have employees here and those guys brew how we want them to we sit down we talk through something we brainstorm and then this is the recipe and now brew it that way and and so those people are employed yeah, yeah I mean I I personally am brewing about once a week anymore. Right. Like maybe three times a month, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to brewing three times a week. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to trust people that you are employing to understand your vision and to make the product that you expect them to. Right. And if I have a bandwidth of doing 15 barrels at a time over here and I need to do 50 barrels at a time, 
I have no problem with the idea of contract. I would prefer it to be an alternating proprietorship because then I can actually send our brewers in there. I'd much rather go in there than hand them our recipe and say make it. Right. Yeah. Then you end up with Guinness. Right. (laughs) Guinness in Ireland is not Guinness here. Right. Exactly. That's a good point. So it's not at the end of the day, you guys are comfortable with it. Like you see, like it's for like someone's business model. If they have, they don't have the funds right now. Whatever works for you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a difference between like a gypsy brewer and a those are totally different things. If you're a gypsy brewer and it's like, I don't have a brew house and I make beer where it's available and I don't have the capital for this, but I've got a recipe and I have the capital for the, for, you know, the, the materials. Do your thing, man. Go in and brew it, make some beer. Like there are some incredible gypsy brewers out there. Right. That guy from Dayton was awesome. Fuck yeah, man! There, there are there are, are almost like no sacred cows in craft beer anymore, right? Like, have a great idea, be passionate about it, make a great product, get it out there, be honest, do something meaningful and cool. And if anybody is hating on it, it's just go That's away. Their trip. Go away, yeah. man. So there's not as generally you find it's a um, positive scene as far as whether it's like from. Uh, the people who work in, in the industry, maybe to the, the servers or the beer bars, to the, the people working in brew, brewing, brewing yeah. beer itself, to maybe the beer media and stuff. Like, out of the, how, how you feel about Out of the idea? four years that we've been, you know, actively doing this, three years, you know, being, almost three years being open, there's only been one person that entire time that I've actually said, I don't want that guy around here anymore, he's a dick. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's pretty good. Out of yeah, the millions good. of brewers, yeah. you know, who stop by from every state, every country, you know, we have brewers come in, you know, from England and say, "Oh yeah, I brew beer in England." It's everybody's always been really cool. It's only been one person that's been a dick, so the the odds are really in our favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, should we go to the next one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. This so this yeah, this beer was. Um, uh, we poured this at the beer festival, <laughs> uh, and this beer is called Scone Bones. It's a Scotch ale, um, and it is lightly peated. So there's some peat malt in the beer, and then this went into um, J Riddle barrels. So there's a distillery down the street, Two James. Do they want this one? And uh, Two James makes uh, some pretty incredible spirits, and one of them is this peated. Bourbon. They can't call it Scotch. It's not from Scotland, but it's a uh, peated bourbon, and we got those barrels from them. So uh, when we were we were uh, sparging, we pulled, we we moved over some work, and we really reduced it down to like a, a like kettle caramelization. So it got really nice and and caramely, and then we moved the rest of it over. So you're going to notice that this is big and caramely, okay. cloyingly sweet. Um, it's got a very neutral yeast profile, uh, but then there's a little peat aroma and oh, then there's think, a little yeah. peat taste on the finish. What exactly La- is peat again? Uh, so peat is uh, like it's like a peat dried or peat smoked malt. So back in the day, I mean, before there were you know electric or gas you know fired ovens, all beer had some smoke quality to it mm-hmm. because they would take grain and dry it out. They would cook it over a fire. They'd yeah. be cooking it over wood or whatever, right, so the grain right. got you know smoky. Yeah. Um, grain that is cooked over you know like a peat moss fire peat is is a is a moss right so they cook over a peat as a particular type of smoke to it right so when you think like peated scotch like lagavulin or lafroig or bomora kawila or there's it's like a whole spectrum of peated you know scotches it has this distinct type of smokiness Hmm. so a little bit of peated malt peat 
smoked malt, it went into the mash, and then they went into barrels uh, that had a peated whiskey in it. So, nice. still right. nice. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Dave, cheers, mate. Dave, Get it in you. Get it all the way in you. Oh, yeah, man, that's like yeah. Yeah. You are just whiskey. These, <laughs> Beer tastes like whiskey. Really I've uh, got the drinking habits of an Irish dock worker. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you, uh, you're brewing them. Right? <laughs> you're in the not by right coincidence. As much as the story we try to tell, it's really just because we want to. We like to drink. We can drink all, all the time. time. <laughs> well, you did certainly well with that. Do you, <laughs> you brew it all? No, no. Too, uh, no, I mean, I tell him what I don't like about what he does. Okay. Uh, that's what I, I get that a lot, actually. <laughs> no, you know, it's this is one of those serendipity things. We actually became buddies over music, and I played in a hippie jam band for years, and he used to go catch a lot of shows, and he saw my band, and we've also gone to see shows together. We've known each other about fifteen years, right. um, and uh, the fact that like. We met through music, but we started a brewery together, and we didn't know what we had been doing previously professionally. So, prior to this, I worked for a beverage company in marketing. I was a home brewer as a hobby since I was 19 years old, but I worked for Vitamin Water and Coca Cola. Meanwhile, this guy has been managing packaging and distribution beverage. facilities for bottled water for beverage. <laughs> so we both like have experience inside the same industry. Unknowingly. Yeah, unknowingly just, yeah. and just like collided over beer and we're doing this thing and so we're about cool, to scale right? and his yeah. skill set is really about to be employed, you know, from a you know an execution and logistics standpoint to be able to get more beer out the door to you know share it with you know people on the other side of the state is pretty fucking cool. Mm -hmm. That's sick. I was actually about to ask that. So you guys focus on a model where you're trying to bring people here, or you like now? I guess from what you said, you're trying to go into license. Either or. or. Yes, and both. Anyway, right? The, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway. Anyway. Um, the, the thing about distributing beer is that the profit margin is very small, oh, right? And at the end of the day, in order to exist, we have to make money. We have employees. We've got 25 employees right now. We're about to open another facility. When it's all said and done, we're going to have 50 employees. We will employ 50 human beings that are going to support 50 human families, right? Yeah, breathe through that, man. Breathe through it. It pinches. No it's pressure. real. No it's not a fucking... It's real. Yeah. That's like real numbers, right? Yeah. Like, if a fam, an average family is three people, like, mm -hmm. we're responsible for... Like, yeah, 100, 100 50 people we're responsible for their existence wow. on earth right so we have to remain profitable it has to be a strong business and distribution is an opportunity to make some money but you only make money at scale right yes. only make any money is if you find efficiency in scale and we are doing seven barrels at a time there's no fucking efficiency it's right. all labor so right now what we're trying to do is build awareness for who we are and you know demonstrate that we can make good beer and as we grow and change hopefully those people get excited and they come here and spend money here where we make you know more money per dollar than we do out in the marketplace. Right, right. Um, and between these two facilities, this one here and the new one that we're working on opening, hopefully we can continue to make a living because you know we're, we're three years in, four years in, and uh, we're just starting to be able to pay our own personal bills, which is nice. I got money we in the bank for the first time in <laughs> five years. We both make about <laughs> half of what we did when we started with that. Uh, like even after this long. It's real, it's real, man. But that's that's the hustle, right? That's entrepreneur kind of like life you signed up for. And uh, well, we both got wives. That was the smart thing we did. Yeah, yeah. we got we got married. That was the second income we needed. Uh, <laughs> Love you, baby. Like, you good? I'm good. Let's do this. <laughs> no, seriously. Health insurance. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean it. And it is. A, this is a family, you know, uh, endeavor. He's got a daughter who's about to graduate college. Right. I have a daughter who's about to go into college. 
and we exist in a way that's like sustainable and real and we try to make an impact positively on everybody that touches or is around our business. So, right. yeah. You can definitely feel that from uh, you guys. There's like a genuine passion that comes through for sure from uh, from the way you're talking. And it's just like it kind of tripped me out the, um, the Mashable thing because I watched that whole series. So do you think that as well, did that help you guys like get um, like that's pretty serious right? exposure. Yeah. It, it is serious exposure. Serious exposure. I think it was one of them. Uh, a number of variables. We've had a lot of great media coverage. We're really lucky in that realm, or maybe it's not luck, and you know it's deliberate. I. That's what I came for when I was at. You know my previous my previous career. What I did was marketing and you know earn media. Like not to you know give the thing away or like make this too about business, but like. Uh, creating a story like your business has to be able to be told as a story right it has to be you have to make a great product like we have to make good liquid we have to make good food we have to have an experience you know that people want to keep having yeah. and after that you have to be able to tell it as a story and it's been you know something that people like enough that we can get television coverage out of or people to write an article so Mashable is one of the many things that added some value to what we do um, but I don't I don't know that they they added more value than any one other thing. I think they were a part of this story that we've been able to tell, and it's certainly a big microphone, right? Yeah, totally. It's just as you know, being where you know, I'm Australian, living in Canada, like we own a Tiffany a social media agency, which is why I'm kind of resonating with the entrepreneur struggle. You know, we've been struggling for a couple of years as well. We're still like, you know, treading water a bit as well. You know, yeah, like, sure, you guys sure. Far, you know, we don't have expenses like you do, of course. Sure. But I very much resonate with that. Um, but the fact that, that I could hear about it before Dave told me about it. Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, that, that reach is, is tangible, and to, in marketing, I can understand the value of that. It was just like, that's, you know, most small businesses or say breweries don't get that reach immediately. I mean, no excitement behind beer. Yeah, it, it is, it is exciting. Well, we were also opening at a time where, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of business going into Detroit, so right. it was more of a curiosity, I think. People were like, <laughs> what are you telling these fucking guys in a brewery in Detroit? Yeah, so I took a building that's been abandoned for, Good you know, luck. 15 years. <laughs> They're going to put a brewery in. I, I think the funniest thing i seen was there was a comment one time when we were painting the front of the building. We had posted a picture on Facebook of, you know, we actually, we were very fortunate to get a bunch of volunteers all the time. Anytime we'd put something on Facebook that said, hey, we're working on the building on Saturday. If you guys want to paint, bring your painting clothes, you know, we're going to buy beer. And we'd have 15 people show up and help nice. us out. You know? and Alex, cool. who's, you know, the brewer now, showed up to every one of them. Right. Yeah. He worked, you know, he had a different job, but he would show up on the weekends to help us out. That's and, incredible. you know, I was, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, the funniest thing I ever read was we were painting the front of the building and posted the picture and somebody commented, wow, that looks like a, a lot like where you go to get raped. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, like dark <laughs> fucking asshole. Yeah. I mean, come on. But I read it and I was like, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> 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 Because it looked like an abandoned building that people were putting white paint on. Wow! You know, it just there was there was I mean there was a little bit of a thing. We literally whitewashed this building. Like what's on the exterior is a whitewash, and I hope we were doing it. It's like yeah. <laughs> oh. we're whitewashing a building yeah. in Detroit. And yeah, just, <laughs> a couple white guys over. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, like he was saying, um, uh, we've had a lot of support to get this thing up and running. And Alex, who was coming out and doing all this volunteering, is somebody that I knew from homebrewing prior to this. And it might have might have been the first or second week, second day we were open. Alex and his now wife are, are uh, uh, drinking out at the table, and I walked up and I was like. I'm gonna need to hire you. We're gonna need to hire you. 
within the next year, so wrap your head around it. He was like, fuck yeah. And I might, we, I, two we weeks later, yeah, yeah. he, he was bartending and, and brewing. He came in, it was, was like, look. He brew, but then he was bartending at night, you know, and that was the way we could pay him. Right. Because a bartender makes way more money than we do. Right. I mean, we everybody who works here makes more money than we do. Fuck yes, they do. <laughs> but, you know, it was like, we can't afford to pay you out of, you know, out of the business, but... You know, you'll make you know good money out of tips. Right. He didn't want to be a bartender; he wanted to be a brewer. But he put his time in. Yeah, he right. bartended for a year, probably. And he right. now does yeah, like ninety percent of the hot side. Like he runs the brew house. Right. He is the guy that like when we do a beer concept and we say this is what we want to do and want these flavors and let's consider some of this malt or you know the, you know this thing or this yeast strain. He actually builds out the recipe. He plans it. He executes it. And, uh, yeah, as his business grows and we bring more people in and, you know, uh, he's an example of, like, how how we get to try and grow as an organization. And he's, you know, the earliest of the early men. That's who you met yesterday. Scott. We, I met him yesterday. Oh, right, 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 right. Cool. That's sick. I really like that. So the community's being really, like, responsive and... Uh... We are spoiled. We are fucking spoiled on community support and on, you know, the, the family, the, like extended family that we've been able to build through this place i think it helps that you know we care about uh, impacting the community people understand that it also helps that we make good beer right. and that chef and his team makes good food people there are, I, I'm, I'm yet to find somebody who can't figure out how to connect with what we do right yeah. just for just for a little story a little side note when we first bought the building steven wrote up an introduction letter said who we were and what we were going to try to do here and we walked around and knocked on doors in the neighborhood. Every single door we knocked on and handed them a letter and introduced ourselves and said, this is what wow. we're trying to do. This building had become an after-hours kind of techno club for a while, <laughs> and it got shut down. Why did they do that here, right? Yeah. Like, they just take uh, buildings and like... Yeah. They used to. They used Not so to, much anymore, anymore, but this is up the last, like, right. after-hours speakeasies. So like, the, one, the one guy... Most people were like, oh, okay, good luck. You know, yeah. whatever. You're not going to, like... Good, more more dismissive, like, yeah, yeah good luck. Yeah, good you luck know. Yeah. And then there was one guy that was like, absolutely not. Over my over dead my fucking dead body. body. <laughs> really? Your face. We're not going to open that fucking place back up. I'll burn it to the ground before you open it up. Wow. I've dealt with enough out of that building. I'll never deal with it again. Okay, you know, cool. and we were like, okay, well, sorry you feel that way. We're not the same people, but, you know. Yeah. And we, you know, left it at that. We had uh, Kit and her sister came by kit who was one of my neighbors in southwest detroit came by one day and they were planting flowers along the street this is before we were even open just like they the, the city the flowers like around the yeah, trees yeah, like dug, you know, they head. dug up the beds and you know planted flowers just to make it look nice it's a yeah. surprise for us mostly oh, you know nice. and um the guy drove by and he stopped and he like was watching him and then he came over to me and he was like look i'm not going to support you <laughs> but you're obviously not the same people right like right. you're not the same type of people that were doing what you know what I've dealt with. I'm not going to support you, but I'm not going to fight you. Right. I'm not going to burn your place down. Because he was so. circulating petitions to get it shut down before it was even open. Wow. You know? And did he know Did he know what you guys were doing or doing like a crap? He knew, but he was, I mean, he had such a bad taste in his mouth. The, I mean, right. you have to understand that like the people who have lived in this city that went through the, the war, you know, that yeah. they don't want to see, they don't want to see the war anymore. You yeah. know, they're, you know, people come back with, you know, PTSD from, you know, other countries. Some yeah. of these people have it from living here. Yeah. You know, they, wow, they have scary. they have traumatic stress from just dealing with what Detroit was. I mean, you yeah. know, going to sleep with a shotgun in your bed with you just in case, you know, that, that kind of people. Really yeah. yeah. 
people don't want to deal with it anymore. And I understood where he was coming from, but we never bothered him about it. We just said, okay, okay well, we're, we're going to keep moving forward. Hopefully, you know, you don't show up at our hearing and try yeah. to, you know, stick a fork in it. But yeah. So you had to talk the council, the city into... Uh, you know, we had, a, we had a ton of support at city level. They understood what we were doing. They understood that we were taking an abandoned building, that we were doing something new with it, and that we were bringing craft beer and we were creating jobs. And it helps when you win Hatch and you have, you know, some, you know, media momentum behind you and people, yeah. people get it. Um, but yeah, there's there's always going to be you know one person that's like not in my backyard, yeah, you know, sure. and that was that guy not in my backyard. We were able to turn him on it, and I haven't seen that guy since. He does his thing over there. Yeah. Our people are respectful over here. We care about the neighborhood. We try and keep you know the place clean, lawns cut, and you know uh, make it as something that adds value to the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And on with the show, and that's all you can do. You can't please everybody so long as you don't piss off everybody right like he's come in one time with really quest he came in one time and he drink a beer he, no he came uh, in and he <laughs> said hey man i have to ask you a favor when your security guard at night is driving around yeah if he's parked in the back parking lot ask him to turn off his like yellow uh, flashing uh, light because okay, it flashes okay. through my window right 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 it's yeah, no problem dude, no problem no, 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 no. yeah yeah still that was a year and a half ago so yeah. you have to have a security guard <laughs> you don't have to, but I mean, you know, Detroit, again, is one of those places where if you live five miles outside of the city limits, you have this image of Detroit that isn't your even your image. That's your grandfather's image or your mother's image or your father's image that they've beaten your head. That, like, you don't go there. It's not safe. Right, right. You know, so in order to feel make people feel more safe, you do things like that. You know, we, we have a security guard that watches your cars. So... When you come in here, you don't have to worry about your car getting broken into. You know, wow. so if somebody That's says, I'm cool. going down the badge, and somebody says, I ain't going down there. They've got their own parking lots and security. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that even to, um, to not get too heavy into the business stuff? Is that like a... It's a cost. It is a cost of doing business. We put thirty grand a year into it. That's an that's an employee. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's the cost of doing business down here, and you got to be committed to doing it right. And that's why we do it, man. Wow. Yeah. No, that's sick. Let's. Uh, yeah. Spe- speaking of uh, the old underground techno scene, we've got one yes. last beer. This is called Candy Flip. Right. I don't know if you guys know what that means, but uh, uh, that's all right. We'll t- <laughs> tell y'all about that Which once we're that? off the air. <laughs> Uh, but this is a wheat wine. This is uh, 11.4%. And, well, you know, whatever. Um, and so this is, a, this is a wheat wine that was aged on cocoa nibs. Um, so it's got like a really pleasant, you know, kind of cocoa butter um, flavor and aroma. Big and malty. Definitely some ethanol in this one. It's got some alcohol. We'll do this again. And the fermentation temperature will be a little bit slower, but this mm. is a beer that we love to drink. This beer and used to be called Ned the Wheat Wino, which was one of my all-time favorite beer names. But what nobody could, what a, not the what? Nobody Ned, good time. Ned the Wheat Wino. It's Ned, a good times Ned reference. Ned the Wino from good times. <laughs> yeah, Get Ned the Wino. Uh, nobody yeah. Did, no. yeah, like we, we were talking about earlier, we got some good beer names and we got some stinkers. <laughs> this, that one lines up with the stinkers only because nobody gets I it. I still hey. think it's a great thing. <laughs> it was an obscure reference. It wasn't. <laughs> cheers, cheers, hey, cheers, guys. Cheers, Thanks, Dave. Yeah, no, cheers. All right, so wheat wine, eh? Yeah, wheat wine. What's, oh, there's uh, the uh, the booziness. Yeah, booziness. Like yeah. What's a nice, wheat wine, though? Like a wheat wine. So you've had a barley wine before, yeah? Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Uh, as opposed to um, uh, barley being the only 
you know, yeah. uh, malt or grain or, you know, a uh, source of, uh, you know, sugar, sugar yeah. for fermentation. Uh, wheat plays a big role and there was white wheat and there was red wheat in this and there was some flaked wheat and there was also some base malt barley. I just got a wheat wine barley when I came. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it yeah, kind of implies the size of the beer, right? Like the gravity. So yeah. this is an 11% right. beer that has a lot of wheat in it. So do, do we, uh, that's a great question then. Do being a barley wine and then others are using wheat, is there other versions of that that use different to malt so we have a similar name or is the very first time I've even yeah I, I've actually heard of a rye wine before but I have never made one we've been talking about it for a while uh, but those are like the three most common kind of fermentables you can certainly use oats you can use you know buckwheat you can use uh, rice you can use uh, lots of different fermentables but the most traditional uh, are barley and wheat and then after that anything else is like very secondary it's considered an adjunct, adjunct it's, yeah. Yeah. right yeah. That's Speak, speaking of style so at the festival yesterday mm -hmm. uh, we noticed a lot of breweries had uh, northeast IPAs mm. on tap and I know this is kind of a <laughs> topic of debate we talk about this a lot in podcasts and off podcasts for that matter all the time um, people have varying opinions on it uh, do you think, how do you feel about the haze craze and New England IPAs? Because I had some very good ones yesterday and I had some ones that looked like people were trying just to do it to have one on tap. Yeah. So do you have a, uh, an opinion about that? You obviously do. I, I, have, I, have, a, I have a very... I think it looks like beer running through dirty underwear. That's uh, okay. Dirty okay. underwear. Okay. I like that. I have, I have a... Tastes great though. Yeah. <laughs> I have, a, I, have a, I have a spectrum of opinions about it, and I think that, like, uh, the haze is, you know, the haze an aesthetic. Right. It, it, I don't, I'm yet to have a hazy IPA that I say, like, wow, this has, if I close my eyes and drink it, wow, this has actually more body than another IPA. I think it's an aesthetic choice. Okay. I think it's, I think it's a blip of a trend. Mm -hmm. I do like the idea of very late edition hops way less BU and even beyond that Juicy. like the the but even av avoiding those like early additions the the longer that a hop is in the boil the more it extracts like harsher stickier you know resinous tongue coating bitterness yeah I can still get you know 60 uh, 60 BU out of a beer if, if I start adding it 30 or 20 minutes right. I can still get a big B it's going to cost me more I'm going to put more hops in it yeah. but it's not going to be as like as, as tongue coating and sticky. Right. Um, and then you get more flavor and then you do those big, you know, dry hop additions or, you know, hop bursting or whatever to get those, those big, you know, aromas. I like hop aroma. I like hop flavor and bitterness should be in balance. Right. And a lot of what we shoot for here is balance. So I think the one thing that the industry will end up taking away from the Northeast IPA or the New England IPA yep. is that bitterness can be in balance. IPA does not need to be a total bitter bomb and I think the New England IPA is going to end up being glass clear because people like to go oh look at this beautiful so like orange <laughs> amber glass clear yeah. newsprint I yeah. can use it as a right, magnifying glass you know <laughs> and like is this fucking milkshake let yeah. me tell you about the gallons of beers that we have poured out you like because keg of beer yeah. you put it on you know you get a partial keg and you pour off the you know yeast sediment and trube until you get clear beer and like yeah. people are paying extra for that for right that, now yeah, you're like, <laughs> this is shit we dumped down the drain man yeah so two hard is one of the best IPs i've ever had and it's clear it's clear as fuck yeah, as a matter of fact alchemist you know um heady yeah. topper that's yeah. not a hazy no, beer that beer is glass clear yeah so Fine you can you can you can achieve 
aroma and flavor and body without it looking like a fucking milkshake. <laughs> so if people want a hazy, I'll make you some hazy. Yeah. But just so you know, it's not I feel like particularly. It's, uh, that's pretty hazy. It is yeah. hazy. It is hazy, and that's fine. Love, it's got the same like juice mosaic in this at all. There is, is there is a little bit of mosaic. I feel like because that's what pre- predominantly I say is the biggest hop in the northeast IPAs, and like. It smells like it looks like it. It's all the fashion hops. It's mosaic. It's amarillo. It's citra. It's you know. And and we actually, I really enjoy the the New Zealand hops, uh, the Wakatu. I mean, there's there's some pretty incredible hops coming out of other regions of the world. But you know what they provide flavor wise is is uh, gonna change, and even those right. hop strains are gonna change over years. Like right. Summit used to be really fruity, right. and it's turned to this dank like onion garlic bomb. So right. we'll right. see what these hops, these like four, five, eight, ten year old hop vines are producing do next you, year and the year after. Do you guys play around with like hop hash and uh, lupulin powder and stuff like that, or do you just stick to straight pellet hops? And do you uh, use fresh hops at all? We use uh, we use some fresh hops. We use a little bit of wet hops uh, when the season comes around. We're actually just got a hop back, so I'm really excited about getting some some uh, you know uh, bundles and 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 uh, doing some big you know whole leaf hop back. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. We don't use hop hash right now. We have used some um, some hop oil, mm-hmm. and I think there's an opportunity to do that. I think. It's okay to use technology to make a consistent product, so you can make a better product. Right. Uh, as long as soon as it it starts to compromise the quality, of what we're doing like we discard it. Um, but the idea of doing concentrates uh, and extracts with hops, I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we've only done it a couple of times, just so, as experiments to get to know it. There are just so many good locally grown and produced hops that I mean, there's not that much reason to fuck with it. <laughs> That's fair. True. Yeah. True. That's fair. Are you guys just like purists then? I'm just curious about the hate because I don't know. No, we're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next thing. Yeah. <laughs> just curious. Some people like fucking hate it, like, or they just like you're obsessed with it. I remember it's having like, a sticker from who was that short? It's like extracts or for pussies or something. I don't Red Red Yeah. I, 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 do, I'm, I would not call us purists. I would say that we are willing to try something out, and if we can make a better beer with it, we're on board so long as it's like an actual product. We're just we're doing what we do. And right. People dig just, it. That's awesome. Actually, yeah. that's a good question. So you guys are really just like, and I, I really love it when brewers do that. Like, you make what you want to drink. Would you say that that's what you're doing? Well, we make what we want to drink, but we also want to make what you want to drink. And there are like certain parameters, right? We just want to make the best fucking possible mm-hmm. example of the thing that we're working on. We want it's going to always be natural. And after that, we want to make the most enjoyable thing to drink. Right. And whether it's a big fucking barley wine or it is a session IPA or it's a fruited wheat beer like we want it to be fun to drink right? like when you finish and you go like fuck I need another one of yeah. those yeah. and that's that is the end goal of any beer that we make this was so good I want to drink another one and if we're able to do that with every beer that we're making then we've been successful hell yeah mm-hmm. um, you guys definitely you guys are doing the whole spectrum like sometimes breweries do maybe they kind of specialize and stuff but like Literally, even just today, we've had almost every sort of like representation, maybe aside from the dark beers and stuff. You know, there was that one beer that I wanted to I wanted to cap it off with, which is a cool story. I don't know how much time we got left. Oh, right? much time I'm gonna go grab a beer, hang tight. Yeah, yeah. 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 So get the beer slushies, the slushies, oh, too. Slushies yeah. Way yeah. Too much. which is the coolest yeah. idea. Where did the slushy idea come from? Uh, slushy idea came from we did a Kentucky Derby party. And uh, we wanted to, it was hot out, and we just wanted to do something different to, you know, drive people, and we decided to try a beer slushie, and it was so popular that 
instead of returning the machine on Monday, we kept it until the following Monday just right. to see, and all week long people were drinking it and like, loving it and, you know, reviewing <clears> it. <throat> we were seeing little blurbs of people talking, oh, my God, you got to get down there and try this, you know. So we called the company and we said, we want to buy this machine, you know, and the guy said, absolutely, this is what I've been trying to do, is trying to get people to, like, reimagine <laughs> right. these machines, like, you, did something fun you know, not just right. Slurpees, like, I want, you know, I want to use it for alcohol, and uh, I want to be able to market it to people with alcohol, so. You it's really cool. I've, I've had, the, like, what they call an iceberg, which is, like, you, you pour a pint of lager and you top it off with, like, a, a kind of a lemon slushy type thing, and you drink oh, it really? like that. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Toronto. Yeah. It's a, I don't know if a it's a Toronto thing. Right. So we did it at the... We worked at a bar together years ago, and um, uh, Jack Astor's... I don't know if they have... No, they don't have Jack's no, here. Oh, Buffalo is one of Buffalo. No, there is, yeah. Uh, anyways, it's uh, just, like, a, a chain kind of pub restaurant place, bar grill. And they started doing, they had this frozen raspberry twister cocktail, which was like a vodka cocktail with raspberry and, and lemon uh, slushy topped with a Zinfandel. But some guy had the good idea to pour some of the, the lemon ice on top of a lager and you're mm. sitting on the patio, this thing comes out with a big mountain of ice on top and like it's blazing hot, yeah. it's, it's exactly what you and want, right? You can right? see through it, it's kind of like you close the iceberg, yeah. you can see the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like kind of floating on top and cool. as you drink it, it kind of blends in. So yeah. it's, it's cool, I mean, it's a beer cocktail. I'm not one for beer cocktails yeah. necessarily, but I mean, if you do it right, it's, it has its place at its time. So I'm really yeah. interested to try this. It's a strawberry Kolsch that's on right now. Is that strawberry what it is? Kolsch strawberry Kolsch is on right Kolsch now. Yes. So that was my next question. The Margarita we did at the festival was, I think, the most popular one. Did you have that, Dave? No. 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 So hey, you have multiple ones? It's not just like one? You just switch out what's uh, on? Just like when we brew, we just come up with different shit we want to try. Yeah, that's um, I think the last one. We did a blood in, blood orange. That's uh, the Anton's Animals with Raspberry was really good in the session. My favorite though is Miss Sally. Miss Sally was a beer that Alex came up with that uh, he kind of got a lot of shit about. People were, you know, doubting his recipe. Right. And it was uh, a peach tea beer. Nice. nice. And it was, awesome. you know, everybody's like, eh, it's, people aren't going to like this, you yeah. know. And I'm like, Mike's Hard Lemonade sells to everybody, like, and that's oh, yeah. a terrible product. <laughs> it is a very <laughs> agreed. It's agreed. one drink heartburn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he made that beer and we put it in the slushy machine just as was, you know, as it sat. And it was my Amazing. favorite. It was nice. my favorite thing that you nice. know, we've done here so far, probably. Wow. Is That's it as goal. simple as brewing a beer, putting it in the slushy machine and turning it? You have to add sugar. Yeah, you have to right. you know, add sugar. You have to, you know, there's a... Right, a balance. And there's, there's a balance. Probably you have some to water in with. there. And so Alex like was saying, like, he's a... Somebody was... Maybe it was the guy that you guys got the machine from, and he's like, it's people who tried to do this before and just didn't could not right. figure out how to do it the right. Way. And uh, you guys were one of the first ones to really figure out it's how gotta, to make it a real beer. We're really fortunate to be around a yeah. bunch. Like the people we employ are actual beer dorks. I mean. <laughs> They're, They're the best They get off on like coming up with shit that you know people fucking love. Like yeah. it's just it's part of what we do, and they're. Uh, they're crazy about it. Oh, yeah. Uh -oh. All right, all right, all right. All right. I like beer dogs. This is a beer yeah, dog. I want to get a beer dork shirt. Beer geeks. Beer, beer nerds, beer geeks, yeah. beer dork. All right. All of the above. Yeah, would you? Oh, Thanks, sweet. man. Thanks so much, man. And then they can, you know, have more glasses in circulation. Okay, you yeah. uh, Stack them up. We what? took 16 glasses. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I'll just hold on to this one. You think you got it? Yeah. You got it? Fancy pants. This excites so, uh, me what's happening. Right? Yeah, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> Tell you what. Oh, yeah. You got it? Sweet, man. Awesome. What All is right. going on here? So, our second to last beer 
is called a is a beer called Second to Last Word. Okay. Uh, back in the days, um, pre-prohibition, uh, there was a cocktail that was created in Detroit at a place called the Detroit Athletic Club. Which is still there, still, still going there. back to. Yeah, okay. still exists, and this is one of the cocktails that was kind of rediscovered during the cocktail rebirth. Okay. Uh, the cocktail is called the Last Word. It's right. gin, it's chartreuse, oh, lime true. juice, and it's a maraschino liqueur, liqueur, and it's served with a Luxardo cherry. This is okay. our beer called the Second to Last Word, and it's also served. I just bumped the microphone. That's it's also good. served with a Luxardo cherry. This is a sour beer. Some nice, clean acidity, um, made with um, gin and absinthe botanicals that we get from our friends at Two James, uh, and a ton of lime peel, and we serve with this Luxardo cherry. So, second to last word is about as Detroit dork as it gets, right? <laughs> a Detroit beer made with botanicals from a Detroit yeah, distillery, which is an homage to a Detroit <laughs> cocktail. So. Full on Detroit dorkery. Cheers. cheers. I'll get in here on this cheers, man. Uh, cheers. Cheers, Barrett. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Get that in you. Yeah. Tell you what, uh, just so you guys That's have a point good. of conspiracy. Yeah, this is great. First time I ever tried that one. Fuck off. Uh, if you guys end up at a cocktail bar, I don't know if this is your last stop today or you guys done, but like. I uh, know we're today and tomorrow. You going to Ann Arbor though? Uh, tonight, I'll see Holmes. You've seen Holmes, but you're going to be in Ann Arbor. There's oh, like, there's, so there's a, there's a cocktail bar in Ann Arbor called The Last Word. And while you're there, get their last word. Then you'll be able to compare this. Yeah, there you go. See him play with it. Style. So like, you, if you don't know where it is, there's no sign that says right. what is the last word. Except for like it's downstairs from live, right? It's, yeah, it's right around the corner. Yeah. You can get in, in and out from live. Like the European bars, like in the Czech Republic. You're yeah, walking around and you're like, like what the fuck are you? Yeah. don't know where it is. You want to try this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's gin-ish oh, things in it. There you go. Sorry, did you say gin? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beer called the second to last word. It's uh, created. Lots of herbs. It's an homage to a, to a gin cocktail. Wow. Yeah. I love this so much. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Glad you're digging it. Make sure you eat that cherry, because well, Luxardo cherries, man. Yeah, absolutely. We actually have a lot of people who come in here that don't drink beer. That they will order that beer. I just love it. And they'll you know, just sip on it while their husband or you know, wife. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's the yeah. absinthe. So uh, it's got uh, anise seed and yes. star anise in it. Both anise seed and star anise. Like yeah, it's got the lime and then the sourness of the beer. Yeah. Yeah. Lime, that's it, man. This is fantastic. There's so much going on. Is there any sort of like tea? There's almost like a tea. Um, well, I mean, yeah, it. yeah. I mean, you know, those those botanicals that are. In the, in the spectrum of gin and absinthe. Yeah. Herbal teas and yep. stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, such a cool idea. Man, this is like, like you guys were saying earlier, as well as asking if you make your stuff you want to drink, like you guys are most certainly doing. The, 100%. I guess the, the weirdest shit that I've seen for a while, and it's fucking awesome. Because I feel like it's people either go either way, or it's kind of just stick more to the traditional thing, and there's nothing wrong with either or, but it is cool as the be a dog since the new one. <laughs> no one says dogs anymore. I know. It's done. Nerds are geeks, but nerds are geeks. Now we're bigger. Dogs. dogs are so 80s. I we'll bring that, that back. Uh, um, I feel like it's really cool, like just to have, like some people don't really like the fun. I know people, like, you know, I guess you said, not into like the milkshake IPAs. I think it's cool because 
it's ridiculous. It's so so and ridiculous. Th- and this is ridiculous. Well, I tell you, this, this one is like is like, I would I would put this on the spectrum of like a very deliberate artistic homage. But the next thing that we're gonna drink is full ridiculous. fucking ridiculous. <laughs> okay, anyway, we got one more, and then we're done. Yeah. So we go. My wife and I have been to breweries though, and I walk in and I'll see you'll normally see an IPA, a yeah. stout, an amber report, an amber and I think it's fucking yeah. boring. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'll try their beer just to see you know if they're true to Maybe style and if they're making them good. I mean, but does it, it doesn't like just excite you. Nothing yeah. to blow your skirt I want to be excited. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, yeah, and that's kind of the one thing I like about like the like I said the Northeast IPAs and, and milkshake IPAs and all that shit is that it's just new and interesting. I, I know we're gonna get over it soon. Yeah, but it's just cool because it's like. I don't know, something different for now. I have a thing I'm, for fruited beers too. When I see yeah, you, anything you can make really fruit? good fruited beer, it's like sour or whatever, like amazing. that excites me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I want that even great this beer. Being a strawberry culture, it excites me. Yeah. 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 Strawberry blonde that we had when we were in the yes, yep. yeah, that's uh, the best seller by far, and it's been that way for a while. Nice. That's why they turned it into a year rounder, right? Because people want it. that stuff, right? Yeah. And it's high, it's high ABV, so it's <laughs> so it's like something a bit ballsy. Okay. I feel like it, it sort of still speaks to because, like, what you're saying, like those type of boring traditional mm-hmm. ones. Like, that, I feel like there's some places that I have, say, in Montreal or Toronto, if I had some out of towners who aren't super beer nerds I take them to these safer places because I'm like you know I don't want to scare them because usually the places who do crazy shit don't have that many safe options right. and they might be overwhelmed it and might be too much crazy shit yeah, yeah. Like, we tried to line up we tried all the lines balance, like yeah. you know like I said we have the audacity which is a 4% you know fizzy yellow grandpa beer yeah <laughs> and then they have this you know, and, and everything phenomenal. in between but I feel like a, a non-beer oh my lord that is insane <laughs> <laughs> That is oh, really you know, the best part, like, you get the pink straw. You, you get the, yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm not scared. Yeah, so this is the last one, and this definitely we can chalk up to a little bit of ridiculousness. We threw a, uh, a Kentucky Derby party. I don't know if the I Canadians and the Australians. Yeah. Oh, well, then I'm not going to reiterate. Oh, yeah, we know the Kentucky Derby is we have the Melbourne Cup. There you go. So I know the Kentucky Derby horse race, everyone gets way too dressed up. And yeah. Wear silly hats. Fucking silly hats and whatnots. All day long for a 90 second. Oh, oh, no. Dave, get in. No, I'm on. Yeah. All right, now we're going back in. There Five it is. grown men drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> this is hey what guys. I want to do in Detroit. Thanks for coming out. Thank you for Cheers, having guys. Us, Absolutely. Really Cheers, guys. Fucking get in you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Strawberry Kolsch. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah so. Is it just cold? It's, it's uh, just strawberry cold. We just do this. Not this is the exactly slushy. the this is the like the scratch kitchen that we're talking about. The right. slushy is an opportunity for us to say like, let's do something fucking weird. Boom, we do it for a week, and then we may or may not ever do it again, man. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we do it for a day. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. Like we run out of it, it doesn't make sense. You know, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my god. What's that? It's still beer. It's not mm. like a super sweet Seven Eleven. This is this is short. This is small. It's about four, four and a half. No. Four point oh, two. Oh man, you really yeah. get the, uh, the the strawberry. Like the yeah. flavors are like. Yeah. The beer is kind of subtle. Yeah, I mean this particular one. So this weekend uh, at the beer fe- at the Michigan Brewers Guild Beer Festival, we had. You know, cerveza de tamarindo. We had the blue sailor, which was like a uh, coffee free. Uh, a non-coffee coffee style. The margarita was super awesome. What's a non-coffee coffee coffee style? Uh, So it's got chicory, and it's got cocoa nibs, and it's got carob, and it's got all those big roasty flavors without coffee. coffee. That's sick. Yeah, it was fun. Would this work with like a 
big dang IPA or something like that. Right. I mean, lighter, it, well, it could. No and the, the, could yeah. yeah and the we've done. Stuff. We've done IPA. We haven't done IPA. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll have to play with it. Yeah. I'm sure we can make it happen. We do. Yeah. We did the Miss Sally. We did the Blood and Orange Out. We've done the Pulse. Blood and orange, orange out. Have you seen the movie Blood and Blood <laughs> Out? Yeah. Our blood orange. Wait, I love it, man. You guys yeah. have such a cool vibe. I, I love that shit. So we have this uh, segment called the lightning round, mm. which ends up, we always joke, it becomes like the molasses round because you can either be really quick with the answer or you yeah. could... Up to you. Mar- meander around. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Lost in a cul-de-sac of my own... Usually ends up being the latter, but... <laughs> we, Self-indulgent we the, yes. masturbation. All right, there Nothing you go. Nothing wrong with that. So what we'll do... <laughs> we all do it from time to time. What's your guilty pleasure deal? Guilty pleasure beer. Sloshy. What's your guilty pleasure beer? So something you'd be embarrassed to admit to other people. High life. Be a dogs. I drink oh, high life nice. while I drink while I drink bourbon. When I'm at I'm home drinking bourbon, bourbon, I drink high life. Okay. It's egg fart juice and it's a okay. <laughs> it's fucking sulfury and gross. When I'm drinking bourbon, I, I have a Miller Lite can open next Just to Just wash it down. Actually, let's take this a whole other level while we were building this place out. This was We had time. no money. And we used to drink. What kind of Royal fucking Canadian. Oh. Which is Royal Canadian? Fuck is, off! <laughs> we called it. We called Royal Canadian the dessert whiskey because it's, it's so sweet. Fake oh, caramel. We were, both, gross. we were both walking around with like, like pints plastic, of plastic, <laughs> plastic back pints, and, and we were drinking Miller High Life. Fucking tall boys. Like, ah, <laughs> just get straight to the point, eh? Just like yeah. Like, we, just, we, we were just there like, for the bud, the form, the warm fuzzy feelings. We right. were there for. Right. Yeah. And the funny part was, is when people would want to stop by and talk to us about beer, and they They'd look like, at the. <laughs> They see fucking cans everywhere. <laughs> what the fuck you guys doing? That's not us. They're like three yeah. for three bucks, man. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. That was great. Really? Those are good. Yeah. The good old days. Yeah. <laughs> hey, now you get to drink good, though. Yeah, so yeah, okay. yeah. Um, beer you would decline under any circumstance. Never had one. <laughs> oh, Genie. I don't know if it's still a place. Or uh, still a beer. But there was a beer up north called Genie. My brother was wrestling in a state championships or whatever. Duh. We were 16, 17 years old. We went up there and we bought a case of beer for $5, which we probably should have done. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And it was called Genie Light. And I'll never forget it because it tasted like the can. You're like, this tastes like aluminum. Probably been there for 10 years. 110% aluminum flavored beer. Mm. But I don't think it exists anymore. Uh, I would have to say that my uh, I can't do it anymore ever again for the rest of my life is Newcastle Brown Ale. Uh, okay. I drank my weight uh, and then some uh, Newcastle Brown Ale. My problem with it, Honey Brown, I would drink as a fucking ironic nostalgia. But <laughs> but Newcastle, like, is for whatever reason, and I, I haven't had it in years. Maybe I would try it again, but, like, the last so time I had it, the acidity, it just, like... Something about it just gave me like heartburn, and it was uh, like miserable. My body reacted to it in not a bueno way. So I'm just yeah. no more Newcastle. Dunsies. That's a good one. No Nothing. Newcastle. Um, uh, favorite beer style then? So it's almost like it's a hard question, but maybe it's like you go to if you're gonna go to a liquor store and you're like, I would want what would you kind of gravitate towards first? Fizzy yellow grandpa beer. <laughs> grandpa beer. I love grandpa, grandpa beer. beer. Yeah. So lager or a lager, lager, lager beer. Right. Tell you what, something I'm, easy, something that right. like. If I keep it in the fridge and you come over, you're not offended by it. Right. You know? Yeah. It's always good to keep them around. 
Okay. I'm going to give a shout out to a Canadian brewery. The Big whole reason that I actually make beer. Oh, okay. Um, I was about 19 years old and getting into craft beer. When I say craft beer, like back in the day, that was like Killian's mm. and oh, Newcastle right. Brown Ale. Right. Which is why I can't drink it anymore. Oh, and right. some fucking Honey Brown and <laughs> terrible beers. And, and um, I had a Modit. From oh, Unibrew, yeah. and that beer like blew my fucking skirt up, and I was like, I need to learn how to make this. Modi so Modi, that awesome. beer, you know, uh, Tuapastolf and Dumas, like yeah. those beers are legit. Unibrew, and I know Unibrew is now yeah. owned by like a Canadian conglomerate, yeah, but that is an example of a brewery that is important. That made great beer. That still makes great beer, regardless of who fucking owns them. Yeah, I don't. And it's you said it's owned by Sapporo. Yeah, Sapporo bought them. Not to launch into a new fucking topic, but there's a difference between a conglomerate who buys a brewery because they say we respect what you do and we want you to be a part of our part, our family, mm-hmm. and an organization that says we want to buy your brewery because we want to use you to box out other fucking breweries right so I'm, I'm just I'm gonna leave it that's that's my yeah. that's, I have I no more to say on the top yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah totally yeah, yeah. but that's, that's exactly how we do mm. um, least favorite beer styles doesn't mean you hate it it just means you maybe like would wouldn't actively go towards it I don't know one thing I've learned lately is that even if I don't like it at first you know, I used to it. I warm up to it. You know, I didn't like sour beers. Yeah, yeah I didn't like it. We, we sour didn't like sour beers either. Now it's like now. what I kind of seek out when I go places. Same. Is, is that it's the most. Do you think it makes a fucking beer? Well, yeah. it's just it's, it's not something it's easy. It's an interesting thing that they're doing. You know, it's something different. You know, um, there's not a whole lot of least favorite beers. I, I, I'm a booze hound. I like booze. I don't know if I have a least favorite beer either. I mean, like, you know, I will say my least favorite beer is beer that's poorly made. I've had great. Anything accidentally infected. There's nothing worse. I tell you what, there's nothing worse than getting a beer at a fucking hotel or somewhere. You open it up and it's a gusher and it has that, like, it's clearly accidentally bottle right. re-fermented. Right. So here is my, uh, this is my signal flare. I'm shooting across the bow of craft beer everywhere. Pasteurization is 18th century technology. Fucking get next to it. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> and rant. That's my rant. Done. Done. Fucking rant. If you want a sour beer, you want to leave some fucking dregs for somebody to play with, by all means. But like, if you're making a conventional beer, there's nothing wrong with pasteurization. That's not a bad word. Mm-hmm. Listen, kids. Yeah, listen. Tune in. I got something to say. We have lots of children listening. (laughs) Big audience. Desert Island beer. So if you get stuck on Desert Island, you drink one for the rest. uh, Do we take into consideration? Oh fuck! That it's warm out and then maybe that's. Don't fuck this up, man. Don't you fuck this up? Uh, Mine's now this beer. Mine is. I'm on a Desert Island. I would like a slushy beer, please. I can just pour it, swirl it out. Strategic thinker, this guy. Look. Yeah, mine would definitely be the first beer that I ever had that kind of got me into other beers, and that's Sierra Nevada Pale. I have nothing that's wrong to say with that. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go one level even fucking worse. <laughs> I, I'm throwing this out there because there's a lot of people that talk shit about these guys. And Do I don't it. have any fucking problem with this. I'm just for con- full-on contrarian. I'm going to go 
Sam Adams Boston Lager. Okay. Great you know what? It it's is a great I, fucking I like beer. Anybody that like talks it. shit about, about Sam Adams ought to go on a long walk of a short fucking beer. <laughs> if you're talking shit about Sam Adams and their beer, then you don't know anything. Dude, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not drinking with your mouth. You're drinking with your fucking eyeball. Yeah, go away. Fucking go away. Sam Adams is great. Hell yeah. Be a trend prediction. So right now, like we're talking about milkshake. I got one. I'm going to project. I'm going to predict Michigan Brewers get Beer festival next year is gonna be full of slushy machines. Uh, I bet with your lineup for sure. 100% oh, agree. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an easy answer. Favorite up and coming breweries? So maybe ones that are like you tried some stuff that are about to Batch watch. Brewing Company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I got it. Check I got, them out, guys. I got, I got two right now Speciation uh, in Grand Rapids. Homes, you guys are going oh, to visit shit. in Ann Arbor. Um, we'll see what happens with the guys that we mentioned earlier, Eastern Market and. Uh, and uh, Black Bottom, but certainly the first two are gonna make cool. some, they're making great beer Fantastic. already and they're gonna continue to make great beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's dope. Absolutely. You co-sign? I'll co-sign on those and I'll add uh, Old Fecker. Are they still there? Are, are they, they still there? there? I hope so, because they're making they were great doing, fucking they were beer. Really, are they still there? Old Fecker? Yo, Old Fecker? Yo. They're bad well, anyway, they, They're making they great beer. Really if they didn't shit. survive, they it had sucks. Some really like cool. Where were they at? Where were they based out of? Chelsea, I think they were in. They were out by Chelsea right. or something. Somewhere out there. Okay. Yeah, West of Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, favorite beer, city, destination, or country? So is it like a place that you love going for beer? Or you I think we can go sign on it. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> think back. You, you spent some Czech time Republic? there? Czech Republic, baby. Czech Republic. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Pilsner's all day. Fuck yeah. yeah. Dude, we, oh, okay. yeah. You did a beer trip? Or or your I did a beer trip. He did a work trip and oh, drank a lot of beer. His trip was much longer months. than mine. Five months. Okay. Gambrinus, <laughs> Star of Primen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Pilsner Yorkel, my plant that I was opening was less than a mile from the Pills factory. Oh, man. And you do the tour, so they give you fresh, beer, right? So you, do the tour, you were allowed to drink beer and go to work in Europe, so <laughs> <laughs> I would go there for lunch. <laughs> do a tour. I'm going to a quick tour. I got 45 minutes. I would just <laughs> walk into the tasting room at the end of the I thing. I love where it's like, so fast. Like, <laughs> don't need to yeah. go on the tour. Just but just, there was something about that place. It's a magical, magical land where beer is cheaper that. than water. Like, yeah. You can uh, buy a bottle of water there, it's, you know, the equivalent to you know, 80, 90, you know, U.S. cents. Yeah. Beer is 15 cents. Wow. So, that's uh, insane. I'm going to throw this one out there just because. Have either of you guys been to Oktoberfest in Munich? Not yet. Oh. Okay, so <laughs> the greatest beer party of all fucking time. No two ways about it. We take it very seriously. We do it at Oktoberfest here. But that thing in, Munich, in that awesome. place yeah. with those people is fucking upper echelon beer experience you and Germans have, like yeah. they, they they perfect the things that they do like their German cars are cars, perfect they're the best their German beer is the perfect version oh, of there. that fucking style of Abs- beer absolutely agreed hands down yeah so you gotta do that Got to That's on the bucket list, man. It's gonna happen. Yeah, I, I've done it once and I'm, I'm going, going next year nice. going yeah. next year you so should go sick. with me Okay. We're hanging with Coco, Coco <laughs> Bear. And, have to. We're hanging with Coco. I was talking with Coco Bear and all last year, and all last uh, mute movement. We're gonna go fucking party down. That's right. You heard me, motherfucker. You guys have anybody in the uh, <laughs> Canadian government that, that listens to your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> anybody in the Canadian government that listens to your podcast? I I pray that they don't. Know. All right, good because they'll come. And Let me this. back in. <laughs> <laughs> You got, you got some problems at the bottom? I don't. They have the problem. I don't have any problems. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> problem they, they seem to keep having is problems it, with me. Is there a problem here? Is there a problem? Excuse me, sir. Put your car over the side. 
I get that every time coming down. I love Canada. I love going to Toronto. I grew up going to Toronto and Montreal. My favorite hockey player of all time was Patrick Waugh. Right. You know, I used to be able to. I have no opinion about Canada. I'm just, I just wanted. To be <laughs> My uncle, who was awesome, used to take me to see him play. You know, nice. and like, and then you get older, and you know, there's one thing that happens, and right, you're not allowed right. back in a whole country. Yeah. What was that one thing? <laughs> I don't know what their problem is. Mm. Let's get to explicit detail. How did it go down? I went to go to cut across to go to Buffalo once, and they told me I wasn't allowed in Canada anymore. Oh, right. it's just a random time. Yeah, it's racist. I think it might be. Yeah. It might be. I blame racism. It's just racist. <laughs> Next question. Next question. I'm homie. The underrated style city brewery or country. What's not getting its props? Style Czech Republic. city brewery Czech? Yeah, you can say that. or country. Whatever comes to mind. Yeah, Jack. Canada doesn't get any props anymore. I feel like Canada doesn't get enough props. Uh, not enough, maybe. Man, all okay, right. I'm going to, I'm doing it. Molson is one of the best beers ever. What is? Molson. Just Molson Canadian. <laughs> Go punch it. Turn it off. <laughs> that must be the. I wonder if that's the Canadian. Oh, uh, man. I never walked up a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't have to grow up drinking Molson ice? Uh, I grew up in Australia, bro. It's sacrilege, man. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I brought these fucking guys okay. here. <laughs> man, I'm never gonna. Thanks, Dave. Everything <laughs> was great up until now. They had beer slush. Why did you bring us here? <laughs> they like most. I've never get those two hours back in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love I don't even remember the fucking question. Well, <laughs> yeah. Underrated. underrated. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. give this to you. City I, no, no. I, I'm going to go like broadly a category of beer that is the reason for craft beer in the United States that has become like much maligned and is going to come back around. Mm-hmm. English beer in general. Hmm. English beer was incredibly important to craft beer. Late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. ESBs and Ambers. and But like the idea of like cast condition ale and things that are subtle. Right. Like a little bit malt and a little bit of hop and just like a very drinkable, easy drinkable smoke, fucking yeah. beer. There's a session thing happening right now and people are into session beers but craft lager is going to come back around and all of a sudden people are going to be getting into English beer and right now nobody gives a fuck about English beer. Five years from now English beer is going to be cutting edge. Market. Market. Everyone, a lot of brewers say that about lagers. What's the next coming style? English. Lager, Pilsner, English. Hoppy Pils is lager. Craft craft lager and the Hoppy Pils right now is the hot shit. And the next swing around is going to be like, how can we take English beer (laughs) and do something like innovative yeah. like just innovate on english Wait, beer a little bit just, just a i mean we did that before like the english ipa became the american ipa but like you need to go it's back and revisit right? like what's happening out, right? cool in england and what's cool about better? english beer is like texture and it's aroma yeah, and aroma and temperature and temperature, like so right. how can we you know do that here we're trying to do we've got like an extra cooler the the little uh tap core that we have we can dial up to like 50 plus degrees mm-hmm. but that's my prediction five years from now Innovation on English styles and English traditions are going to be important in craft beer. Again. I don't doubt you. Yeah. I, that's actually the best yeah. one I've ever heard on the yeah. podcast. I right think, on. Uh, that's fascinating. I've actually so seen really a few fun. coming up, uh, English style pubs coming up, reinventing mm-hmm. craft English styles coming Fox. up. So yeah. 
They're yes. just opening like right now in Picton, which will be uh, next month. Yep. Um, a brand new English style pub with Cascale and. Yeah, we're just throwing shit. Just throwing shit. Fuck it. Fuck it all. We have a couple questions left. I think my answer was the best answer. Yeah. <laughs> you did get people to walk away. Yeah, From now on, he's going to be in a room full of people he doesn't yeah. like. He's going to be like, <laughs> Molson, bitches! The C's party uh, better walk to his car. We're like, I'm out. Have your bubbly grandpa. Coincidentally, his grandpa beer is on Molson. There it is. I, got, I brought some over the board for you. Yeah. No, it's good, good looking, man. <laughs> Do you have any trend, trend, trend predictions or you co-sign the uh, English? No, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, okay. I don't really. You don't know, no, no, can't no, read no, the no. future, can't see the future. Personally. No tea leaves I think, I think definitely the, the you know, big blast your face hop thing is coming to an end. It's going to go away, definitely. I, I think see that. I mean, honestly think God, like the, you know, the, wrecking, the ciders and the sours, I think, are ciders gonna be coming. Huge. coming ciders going to be huge. Ciders? Yeah, we're actually just got our... Wine license. Nice. So we're uh, our next space of innovation we're working on is going to yeah, be there seems cider. To be a craft cider scene now, which wasn't there before. Yeah, and it kind of did a, a little roller. Yeah, it didn't take off right away. As, as did craft beer. Okay, were you guys around for craft beer in 1996? No. Like it was huge, and then a big place. bubble burst. Yeah, Remember, yeah, you used to be able to get Breckenridge beer like everywhere. Yeah. Now you can only get it in Colorado. Made the smooth talker, the urban. What was that place? It was a Novi. Um, oh, that was we one used of to buy Scott's breweries. It was, uh, um, was it King or was it? Um, it was really a Pontiac. Matter. Doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But there was an explosion when I first, you know, came of age where I could start buying beer. You could go to Cost Plus World Market and make those six packs. Yeah. And, like you get. Beer from all over the world, but some of they had a little tiny Michigan four shelf section. Right, and it was cool. just local breweries: Big Buck, uh, Big Buck, Alcatraz, yeah. Copper Canyon, Copper Canyon, and neither Big Buck nor Copper Canyon exists anymore. Big Buck still has one left. I think that one's closing the doors. No, they have one left. I've been hearing about it. the one up north. Yeah, I think that's in the Dunsies. Really? I could be wrong. That's a sad day. Yeah, sad. Day. <laughs> Alcatraz was shit. Alcatraz was garbage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting, they chose Alcatraz for a beer name in Michigan. Oh, the the best part about it is it was themed like a prison. <laughs> the beers were themed as a prison, or that bar The was bar was like a prison. Wow. That's kind of cool. That's yeah. a... Yeah, if you're drinking and driving, then... Yeah, oh, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I guess you're just going to be comfortable. <laughs> we'll just stay here for the night, okay? How the hell else am I supposed to be? Right uh-huh. That was before Uber. Yeah. <laughs> Uber changed the game. Uber changed the game. Uh, what's the best... Oh, we should tell you about the Uber. We nearly died. Oh, we almost Uber died. Yesterday. Yeah, our first Detroit experience. The dude was falling asleep driving. He said we he'd had been up for half the head. ride. No, he said he'd been up for three days. It hadn't eaten for three days. And we're like, so we'll like, just like, get off here. Check, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Check, like, please. I'm calling. He's like, I pull over the next gas station. Like, this ditch is fine. Just let us out. Yeah, we're like, get the fuck out. Jesus. We stuff and we had to get another Uber. Yeah. Yeah, we've been in town like Hours. We're yeah. still alive. Yeah. Feeling good about it. Feeling good. Oh, like, uh, we got to the beer festival. It was the best beer I've had in my life. Like, yeah. The first morning, Dave went to Arbo and Dave got us a uh, breakfast stout. Like, Ooh, thank it you. Was, we're alive. Lord, I can we're still drink beer. Yeah. This is like, Welcome to Detroit. Um, best beer you ever drank in your life. Ooh. So you this can be situational like, though, correct? So correct. we've had some. It does. It does harken back to right? situation. Mm. Absolutely. I think the first time I ever had a. a I'll get shit for that one too. That's okay. Like, right. no, some brewers have said some. You said you can't say anything worse than what you're you saying. Yeah, you can't offend us. <laughs> you're you're, you're safe now. Man. You're yeah. good. Okay, I got one. Good. But <laughs> uh, four Marino. no four yeah. days ago, I don't even know what beer it was. Four days ago, this four is four days. What day is today? Sunday. 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 Saturday. Thursday. 
Tuesday, Wednesday, five days ago. Yeah. I was in Dayton, Ohio. Represent. At uh, Fish Show. Okay. And it was in the Nutter Center. The Nutter Center? The Nutter Center. Okay. And <laughs> Fish played one of the best shows they played, I swear to God, in 15 years. I wow. agree. 100%. And I may or may not have, you know, been dipping in the pharmaceuticals. Yep. And I was handed a beer at a at an appropriate time, and it was a shitty fucking fizzy yellow beer. I don't even know what it was, yeah. but the way that it went, and I just poured it into my <laughs> mouth, and it just coated my existence with amazingness. Wow, that's that what is I got. An epic <laughs> response. I've never existence. heard. Yes. That's yes. beautiful. Like, I'm slightly hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> there's been, there's some movement. I, I, there was yeah, some movement. I moved from the right side to the left side. That's all I'm saying. I was hot into yeah. the Molson right. helmet. Yeah. Bring it. Bring it. You got, you got to be on top of that. Come on. Dance Any beer awesome. I shared with that. You're like, a little bit for you. That's very hurting. Yeah. I don't really. I'll tell you what. You know what was really exciting? That first, the first batch of beer we ever made was that Empire Pale Ale. That Remember was good. Drinking that off of the fucking yeah. off of the sample valve. Mm. We were just about ash. to open. It was just like I remember when I uh, drunk <laughs> off of the fucking tank. The only they could so pour beer to at the continue time. with that, that fish fun. theme. Mm. Uh, when I was younger, I was traveling, following fish around the country, mm. and uh, somebody gave me a Sierra Nevada for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I ever had a beer that wasn't, you know, a grandpa beer. Yeah. And I drank it and I said, what is this delicious fucking nectar? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the guy that was there, he was from California. And he said, oh, it's Sierra Nevada. It's a brewery. He goes, aren't you from Michigan? Yeah. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you've never had Bell's? Like, too hearted? Uh, like, and I said, no, no, what is that? And he's like, oh, my God. You've done, like, he's yeah. like, he was in a beer trading group and he started right. telling me about, you know, Bell's too hearted. The minute you get home, you got to get it. So on my way back, I drove through Kalamazoo, I stopped at the brewery, and I bought like a case of Two-Hearted. Before trying it? Before trying it. Oh, just I, because, I mean, just people, you know, back then, sure. we were hippie oh, kids, you know, this we was had, a part of the they were going to get, man. they were going to get drank anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, so. yeah. I remember I got home and I put them in the fridge, I took a shower, I got out and I grabbed one and I drank it and I said, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why in the hell haven't I known about this, you know? When was this? That was 90... 90s? When did they start making Two Art? 95, 96, 97? No, Two Art is not that old. I have to, I have to, I have to think back. I used to play there. The, no, Two Art has been around forever. I don't, I don't know. I, so I used to Solson, play at Bell's. Solson. 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 Yeah, I don't, you've had Obron before. Yes. It used to be called Solson. Solson, right. okay. And they got sued by... Molson. That's no right. That is right. Your mates. Yeah, Your mates. Yeah, not our mates. Your mates. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, that's good that you guys have been into like craft for a minute. Yeah. Salsa. Salsa. Wow. The what would be a death row beer or meal pairing? My mom's meatloaf. And and uh, a barrel aged dick smash. (laughs) Well done. Bring it home. Bring it home. Bring it home. Did you try the dick smasher? No. No, I told the numerous people told the audience as they're going. Um. I'm gonna give a shout out to Annette. She did. Uh, Annette was the first female Cicerone in the world. She's a friend of ours. Okay. She's Australian. Of course she is. Represent. She lives in Michigan. Uh, she's married to Mike, who is the brewer up at Kickstand. He is a fucking great brewer. She did a pairing class here, and she gave us 
a Flanders with a chocolate truffle, and it was the most wow. amazing fucking pairing. That like that acidity and the like dark, you know, kind of uh, brown fruits mm. inside that Flanders with the chocolate. It was like this huge sweet cherry bomb like the it was it was an overwhelming flavor experience so i'm just gonna that'll be my my death row dessert i'm gonna do all my other show i'm gonna have a bone marrow i'm gonna have a coney dog yeah. i'm gonna have a, a big fucking ribeye and when i'm wrapping it all up it's gonna be a flanders the last thing in with a belly. chocolate truffle and then just then like stick it in my hand good they flipped that switch you were shitting I'm all <laughs> Everywhere. I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna you fucking off me. You gotta clean my mess up, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite style to brew? Do you guys have anything? Maybe a slushy? <laughs> you know what? I really am excited to be spending more time getting into mixed culture fermentation. Mm-hmm. And we do some of it right now, and it's mostly been experimental, but we're gonna launch a, a, like a program. We're gonna launch a mixed culture sour beer program. And that's going to be fun. And it's less about style and it's more about like flavor profile and creating an environment for fermentation. So right. that is what I'm really into right now. Fantastic. Cool. Hell yeah. Love it. I guess it doesn't count for uh, Jason. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever bro. It's the Fuck beer me. drinker, not the beer maker. That's a whole other thing. I pay um, the bills. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. He's really good at writing checks. It's amazing. Look at that penmanship. Uh, pen. Last question. This is a new one we haven't done before. What's the worst beer you ever brewed? We's in, we's in trouble. trouble. <laughs> wow. That's pretty. No, we a couple. We's in trouble and awry. Those two fucking beers. We named them because we named them something to let people know that we fucked them up. Uh, yeah. Like we's in trouble was a half of eyes, and we named we's in right. We's in trouble. And then yeah. a rye. It was a rye beer that went awry. <laughs> so we's we's in trouble was have a Weizen and it got fermented really low, so there was oh, no banana esters, ester, yeah. no phenol, nothing. So it was like we got to do something with this beer. So yeah. we ended up adding a bunch of. Crab like apples. apple, it was apple to it. Right. So it was crab apples, and it was you know sure. dessert apples, and they were all local. And apples are really low in nutrient for yeast, oh. and unhappy yeast creates all flavors. Yeah, exactly. so it farty. smelled farty like farty. Uncle Farty's <laughs> fucking yeah. juice. Uncle, Uncle Farty's eggshell. Yeah. Yeah. No, bueno. <laughs> it, was, it was either weed in trouble or egg fart. Oh. <laughs> We tried to clean that fucking thing up. The amount of CO2 uh, we blew through that to scrub it up, couldn't get rid oh of it. God. And the worst part is we're like, well, maybe it's a week. we Then we blast it with a bunch of Cascade, like dry it. Like, we can cover sounds, it up. Sounds horrible. And it was, dude, no. It was Cascade. It was like grapefruit, egg fart. <laughs> Terrible. I sat there one day drinking one, and I was like, hey, I ain't that bad. And then so, we, we had like four of them. By the end, like, <laughs> the next day, he's like coming in. He's like, I don't know about that beer. Yeah. Oh. I had like the worst headache ever. <laughs> so yeah, we's in trouble. And then Arai, we did but a ride here. But if you look at and look at we's in trouble. People love it. Good oh no way. Assholes. Oh, oh like, this is a really cool take on this yeah, guy. Like, oh, <laughs> it's a fuck beer. Fuck <laughs> and we did a ride beer also that ended up getting mashed really super low, and it just like had a weird thing. And so it was a rye. Yeah. Like Why did you serve them instead of dumping them? We have dumped one, two, two beers. In and a rye, a rye was in like the first three weeks that we've been open. We needed to 
you know, you power it, through. Yeah. I mean, it was also a four-barrel batch, so by right, the time we looked up, it was gone. It was already gone, yeah. The weed's in trouble. We, we dumped it. We dumped. We, we put on, like, a, maybe, like, we sold through a keg or two, and one day I walked in, I tried it, I was like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. This has got to go. Yeah. Yeah. And it got dumped. Only only other beer that we've ever dumped. The brown ale. The brown ale, because it just it wouldn't finish. It mm-hmm. wouldn't take off, and it was a yeast It was a yeast problem from our, from our supplier. Mm-hmm. So we, we called them, and they sent us... Uh, a refund and some free use. And sure. It, it was what it was, but like three years, we've dumped three beers. That's really good. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That's sick. Boys, that's uh, that's it. Really Legendary, man. That was right a fantastic uh, Thank chat. Thank you for having right us. Thank Cheers, man. man. Really awesome. Awesome. Cheers, man. Love talking Cheers, to you man. guys. Oh, oh. Gentlemen. <laughs> uh, where can they find you guys online? Batchbrewingcompany.com. Dot com. I'm on Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison. Ed, check him out on Ashley Madison. Jason's profile is beautiful. His face looks What's a lot What's your attitude on my wife? Yeah. What's your username? If you're into fat guys. <laughs> I do <laughs> stuff. Fat guys are facial hair. I'll hit you up. I'll DM you. And delicious uh, craft beer. <laughs> you guys are fucked. I love yeah. it. <laughs> you guys are that. fucked. <laughs> In the best way possible. In the best way possible. Yeah, 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 minus yeah. the Molson card. Yeah, 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 seriously. Yeah. Almost yeah. walked yeah. off. When's the last time you've had a Molson? I'll tell you what. That was beautiful. I love that. I can love it. Thank you guys for checking it out. If you enjoyed the video, hit thumbs up on YouTube. Uh, subscribe, follow us on social media at the AOS podcast, and uh, subscribe to the podcast because what you get to hear cool Let's shit about these guys uh, and uh, come to Detroit. It's really really cool. Represent. Let me great. back into Canada, please. Ooh. Please, Canada. Thank you, eh? And give me PR at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can do like a double thing. All right, guys. Cheers. Peace. Peace.